are now tuned in to this week's episode of our podcast. Today, we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. By sharing our collective expertise, we will show you how to harness, control, and use your own skill set to achieve ultimate success and live the life you want. And now, please welcome your host. Hello and welcome to Business Daily from the BBC World Service, the business podcast which brings you the trends, the money and the people who make the world and its money go round. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. With no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts and an app that lets you bank anytime, anywhere, choosing Capital One is like the easiest decision in the history of decisions. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the first Business Weekly of 2021. I'm Lucy Burton. And we can kick off the year with some good news. Twelve months after the first cluster of a pneumonia-like illness was spotted in China, a cheap and easy-to-store COVID vaccine made by Oxford University and AstraZeneca has been approved for use in the UK. So we'll be looking at whether this could be a game-changer for the developing world. We're also going to be talking about the Brexit deal, because after decades of debate about the UK's relationship with the EU, one highly divisive vote, years of arguing over transition deals, backstops and borders, and then final days of high-intensity talks about fishing, there is a deal. Also on the show, what does the future of food and restaurants look like during and after a pandemic? We'll hear from food companies who are having to innovate to adapt to a new normal. First, though... This week, the British Health Secretary said we can finally see a way out of the pandemic as regulatory bodies gave the green light to the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, designed and made by a team of scientists at Oxford University. Here's Andrew Pollard, the head of the vaccine group at Oxford. This really is a a, a great moment in in what's been a difficult year and and definitely a moment uh, here in Oxford at the University of of pride in our team Uh, for this astonishing achievement in in science and and clinical research during the course of the year. I mean, this year uh, with the pandemic has has been like being in a blizzard. Uh, We've been really struggling uphill through snow drifts and with with this icy wind in our faces. And I think we do have some respite with this good news and and, uh, the uh, the warmth that uh, that that brings and perhaps some hope for the future, but that blizzard is raging on. Our, our colleagues in the hospital are, are facing some real horrors caused by this virus. And, and I do think that the, the next steps are, are critical. Uh, it's a reminder that we're only going to be safe uh, when everyone is safe, when the, vaccine, uh, the vaccines are being rolled out and they're in people's arms. But we do still have more work to do on the vaccines uh, we have more research to do on the virus. And so it's a triumphant moment, but it's not over yet. We've got more to do. Andrew Pollard. 
Incredibly, the vaccine was designed all the way back in April and has spent the past few months going through clinical trials in which it was shown to be at least 60% effective. Now, whilst that doesn't seem as impressive as the over 95% efficacy offered by the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, it has two really big things going for it. It's cheaper, at just 3 or $4 a shot, and crucially, it can be stored in a normal fridge, as opposed to the tricky minus 70 degrees Celsius conditions needed for the Pfizer shot. Pascal Sorio is the chief executive of AstraZeneca. He told my colleague Michel Hussein that millions of doses are being produced. We have already millions of doses that uh, we are going to be filling over the next uh, period of time. And essentially what we're doing is we're aligning our delivery schedule with the government so that we can progressively ramp up uh, the vaccination program. As you can imagine, this is a massive logistical effort to uh, inject so many people. Um, And so we are going to start doing this and ramp up the deliveries over the next two to three weeks. But their target, the government's target, has been a million uh, vaccinations a week. Could you supply a million doses a week? Yes, we can do that, actually. We're going to be able to do this very rapidly uh, in the first week of, uh, of uh, and, and first and second week of January. As you know, the vaccination program will start on the 4th of January. And, and essentially, we will... Uh, you know, start delivering this week. In fact, we will get to 1 million and beyond that uh, a week very rapidly. What is the maximum that you think you could provide per week? Well, the uh, government target is uh, is an ambitious target and we are working with them to define this. I, I would like to leave it to the government to decide actually what they want to communicate and the speed at which they want to vaccinate people but we certainly will be working with them to make sure we have a very effective vaccination program. Again, you have, you know, it, it, is, it is a challenge, a challenging exercise, of course. The good news with this vaccine is the dosage regimen is one, one dose followed by second dose one, two, three months later. And the good news with this is that we're going to be able to inject a lot of people with one dose very quickly, provide them with a reasonable, a good level of protection, until they get the second dose later, two to three months later. And that enables us to, will enable us to protect many more people because we can wait two to three months for the second dose. As both Pascal Sorio and Professor Pollard made clear, the key to beating this pandemic is to get the shot into as many people's arms as possible. But there are concerns that limited production capacity and a lack of transparency over the drug's makeup may leave the world's poorest without protection. Anna Marriott is Oxfam's health policy manager. This is wonderful news for people in the UK as we're facing rising infections that are bringing unprecedented pressure on our health service. But we also know that the suffering caused by this virus continues in other countries too, which is why it is absolutely essential that this hope of a vaccine can be shared by all nations. And on that, we're facing some very significant challenges. Um, Research that we did as Oxfam and as part of the People's Vaccine Alliance has looked at the vaccine deals across the world. And we know that unless urgent action is taken by governments and pharmaceutical corporations, Nine in 10 people in the world's poorest countries are set to miss out on a vaccine next year. And why is that? We're facing two key problems. Firstly, not enough vaccines are being made. And secondly, the vast majority of the supply that is there is already being bought up by rich nations. In fact, on average, rich countries now have enough vaccine to 
vaccinate their entire populations nearly three times over. But this really needn't be a competition or a choice if we fix the supply problem. And to do that, we need corporations to urgently, openly share their vaccine science and know-how and their vaccine technology so that we can get more manufacturers on board in making the vaccine and meeting this unprecedented demand. And would you want these vaccines to be made more locally, so in in factories in the developing world? Yes, I think um, we need to look at all manufacturing options. But in order to get the vaccine to developing countries, we need to scale up the manufacturing capacity and access of existing manufacturers in developing countries to this vaccine science and technology so that all potential corporations and companies can get on board in making the vaccine. And if that is done locally, that increases the access and availability for those developing countries. To do that, though, these these pharmaceutical companies who are, after all, companies and do want to make money will have to give away the secrets of their recipes, if you like. How likely is that to happen, even with the the clear moral imperative that might be there? We have to remember the sheer volume of public money, taxpayers' money that has gone into the research and development of these vaccines. And yes, there is a moral obligation on these companies, but there's also an economic imperative and a public health imperative for governments themselves to enforce these companies to share their vaccine science and know-how. We know that For example, in the UK, our economy does not exist in a bubble. We depend on our trade relationships with with countries across the world. And if this virus is allowed to continue in those countries, the economic ramifications for rich nations will continue to be very severe. But we also know we're not protected from the public health risks of this virus continuing in other nations. As long as it does continue, the risk of more variants arising, which could render our vaccines ineffective, increase all the time. And we need governments like the UK to be at the forefront of those calls for a people's vaccine and not a profit vaccine. Do you feel like you're talking into the other or do you think that company, these companies and governments are listening to you when you make these demands? I certainly think that momentum is growing for a people's vaccine. We've seen current and former leaders of many countries calling for a people's vaccine now. Countries like South Africa, like India, who have in the past experienced the stark inequality in access to medicines, for example, for HIV, where we saw millions of people die needlessly when there was treatment available to save them, but pharmaceutical corporations stood firm and wouldn't wouldn't share their science then so that there could be cheaper versions of these treatments made available to those countries. We're seeing momentum grow, but we're not yet seeing rich countries change tack. And what assurances have some of the pharmaceutical companies made towards that end? What have they said in terms of making their vaccines more widely available? In the case of the Oxford and AstraZeneca vaccine, for example, we have seen some significant efforts being made to increase the supply of the vaccine. And we know that AstraZeneca has promised 64% of its doses to developing countries. 
But we haven't yet seen them make significant commitments towards this open sharing of vaccine know-how. And to be clear, do you think that if these companies don't share their intellectual rights, they don't let other countries know how to how to make the vaccines, then there's no way that people in poorer countries will get access to the vials that are rolling off the production lines in the West at the moment? On current projections in terms of the manufacturing capacity that has been reported by the leading vaccine candidates, we're not going to see the kind of access needed in developing countries to reach herd immunity for years to come. We've never been in this situation before where everybody on the planet who needs to get a vaccine will be able to get access to it. We've never been in a position where we've had to make this many vaccines before. It's without doubt that pharmaceutical corporations have to step away from business as usual. It shouldn't be the case that they get to decide how much is made, where it gets made, who it gets sold to, and and what price is charged for these vaccines. We now need a government-led multilateral response to the vaccine manufacturer and supply across the world to make sure that the vaccine gets to everybody fairly according to need and not ability to pay. Anna Marriott, Health Policy Manager at Oxfam. You're with Business Weekly on the BBC World Service. The end of the beginning of Brexit is over. On Christmas Eve, the UK and EU announced a zero-tariff, zero-quota trade deal, which would govern relations in the post-Brexit world. On December the 29th, EU leaders gave it their provisional approval, and the day after, UK politicians approved a bill bringing the deal into UK law. There's dismay in some quarters that lawmakers weren't given more time to scrutinise the deal. But Prime Minister Johnson told Parliament that it was time to look forwards. Having taken back control of our money, our borders, our laws and our waters by leaving the European Union on January the 31st, we now seize this moment to forge a fantastic new relationship with our European neighbours based on free trade and friendly cooperation. Not every politician was thrilled with the deal. The opposition Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, called it thin and not what the government had promised. But a line has now been drawn under the Brexit argument, so how do British businesses feel about the future? Simon Boyd is the managing director of the manufacturer Reed Steel, and he told the BBC's Marie Keyworth he's been unhappy about EU membership for years. The customs union and the single market and all the rules that are contained in that market have been really restrictive for businesses like us. There's never been an even playing field where we can compete equally with other European businesses. In fact, it's quite unequal. It's the way that interpretation of regulations and enforcement of regulations in each of the member states is applied, and that makes it almost impossible for us to trade in the European countries. Well, it has been quite easy for European nations to trade in EU. But what about the regulation that you feel was holding you back? Where can the UK go from here? Because according to these rules, there is freedom. But at the same time, if the EU feels the UK is deviating too much from EU regulations, it can slap tariffs on those particular industries. So where do you think that leaves the UK truly? Well, I still have to see the detail in the non-regression at the moment. What I'm for is good regulation and getting rid of bad regulation. And what I mean by bad regulation is is the EU has always been a protectionist organisation. And we have many regulations that cause lots of people to, to fill in paperwork, you know, and inhibits productivity and innovation. 
and things like this. And I want to have the best standards, the best regulations in the world. But we need to get rid of the costly, pointless regulations. You know, there are so many examples of it where we, you know, we have to jump through hoops before we can do any business. We can make ourselves more competitive now. We can get rid of the protectionist regime that's held many businesses back. Manufacturer Simon Boyd there. Well, how's the deal being received on the other side of the channel? Ben Butters is the head of Eurochambers, the Association of European Chambers of Commerce and Industry. He told me that the new deal will create barriers to trade between the UK and the EU. Well, it's bureaucracy, it's paperwork. More specifically, to give you one example, customs declarations. There are many businesses within the EU, particularly I would say smaller businesses, who have never completed a customs declaration in the entire existence of of their company. But those who trade with the UK and will continue to trade with the UK will be obliged to do so in relation to any any goods that, that, that are moving between the, the EU and the UK from now on. In itself, a single customs declaration isn't an insurmountable problem and it's not rocket science to complete a customs declaration, but it cumulatively creates a, a lot of paperwork and that requires time, which implies costs. And all of these need to be considered by the company in either reduced margins or increased prices for their end clients. And how prepared are they for this? That varies. The Chambers have been doing a lot of work to try and prepare businesses for Brexit in whatever form it may have taken. And a lot of that focus has been on customs requirements. But a lot of smaller businesses have really just said we we can't afford to prepare for multiple scenarios. So we just need to know what is going to happen and then we'll get ready. So I think there will be um, many businesses who aren't yet ready, but will just learn through doing in the in the coming weeks and months. We know, of course, that with the deal, we avoid the most negative consequences of a no deal. But do any European businesses stand to gain from Brexit? Is this, is this a, a winning situation for anybody? Potentially. Um, that really depends on, on the impact on, on the UK. Our interest as the European Association of Chambers of Commerce is for the greater good of the whole European economy. And we're not looking to score points between different countries' economies within Europe. But if companies do decide to move their production or their activities away from the UK, then certainly other European countries will be looking to to attract those companies. That's the way of the world. But as I said, we, we really wanted an outcome that will be to the benefit of the whole European economy. Um, we need to consider that, that there are many other economies in the world which are growing faster and overtaking the European economy. So, so we need to make sure that, that Europe as a whole has a vibrant, competitive environment in which businesses can, can trade, invest and, and get us out of the, the very deep crisis that we're currently in. And are you positive that that can happen? Yes, we are. This deal doesn't help, but it means that the damage is less bad than, than, than would have been the case had there been no deal. So there are plenty of other factors which, which will determine the, the success of the European economy in, in the months and, and years to come. This is one small part of the equation, but more fundamentally at the moment, I would say that the European economy's main focus is on trying to ensure that the impact of the, of the COVID-19 crisis is tackled effectively, that companies have the capacity to invest and create jobs. And for sure, trade movement is one 
important component in that equation, but there are many others that we're working on uh, as chambers at the moment too. Ben Butters. Now that the EU has lost one of its richest and most influential members, what does its future look like? It's a question I put to Cecilia Malmstrong, the former EU Commissioner for Trade. Well, it does leave a hole. The UK is a a friend, an ally, a neighbour, a like-minded country in many ways. And of course, many of us were were really saddened about the prospect of the Brits leaving, of course, fully respecting the referendum and the will of the British people. But but as a personal sorrow, especially the first uh, six, nine months. And how happy were you with the trade deal? And I suppose quite interested in how stressful the last weeks and days were watching and and thinking about how this might go. Yes, it was really open whether it would be a deal or or not. I have been dealing with trade deals for quite a long time and, and I know that they're very often done in the very last moment under extreme pressure. And what actually happens in the room is sometimes different from what what the media speculates about. So I was hoping that there would be a deal, even if I thought it might be a little bit less ambitious than this, actually. So I'm happy that there is a deal. Of course, there's still issues to solve in the services, financial services, data flows and and many other things that that the partners need to come back to. But it's, it's a deal that gives at least some certainty to, to business, uh, to trade, to the markets, and it can be built upon for, for, for other items as well. Do you think that the process, and let's face it, it has been long and tortuous for both sides, do you think the process and its outcome will have inspired either states to follow suit, or has it brought the remaining EU members closer together? It has, actually, because the, the process has been very long and very shaky, and even if in the beginning of, of uh, just after the referendum, there were speculations whether other countries would, would join and have their own referendums of, of doing so, but that has not happened. And what we have seen is actually during this whole process, support for the European Union has increased in, I think, all countries except one or two, uh, quite considerably. And this is due to that. It has been a messy process, been a difficult process, and maybe countries have realised and citizens have realised that it's not perfect. We, we can still improve on, on a lot of matters, but sticking together is, 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 is better. A, a lot has been made, hasn't it, of Britain's weakened position on the global stage after Brexit. Where does it leave the EU in its future trade negotiations, having lost one of its biggest and richest members? Well, it's been four years, so uh, the global partners ha- have got accustomed to the situation. And yes, the UK was an important part of the EU economy. But it's still a smaller part and the EU still has 27 countries. And uh, even if in the beginning there were questions, I think our partners will do their own trade deals with the UK if they haven't already. Uh, but, but having access to the biggest internal market in the world is still very, very interesting for, for our partners. And finally, where would you like the EU to be in the next few years? What does the future hold for the union? Well, on a short-term basis, of course, helping all countries to to recover after the COVID crisis. It's been a health crisis, it's been a political crisis, and of course, a huge economic crisis. So to make sure that we recover in a sustainable and inclusive way, that the recovery also invests in in digitalization, in innovation, where the EU in some countries are, are lagging behind, that can make us 
are stronger. And then, of course, you have all the, the other items that, that you need to deal with. The climate crisis, which is the biggest crisis for humanity, where the EU still has to, to push to be at the forefront with the UK and other like-minded partners to make sure that the world delivers on our Paris goals. The EU will have to reflect on how to... Uh, position itself in a new world. There will be new ways of cooperating with, with the new American administration. We'll have to see how we can deal with China and uh, maybe formulate a more unified foreign policy. That is certainly something that, that is needed. But uh, the way EU has handled the, the corona crisis after the initial chaos that we all, all suffered, I think has been quite impressive. And, uh, and that's something to build upon. Cecilia Malmstrong, the former EU Trade Commissioner there. You might remember that a few weeks ago on the show, we heard about the bleak financial situation of the New York subway. It lost a vast amount of money as COVID-19 kept over 70% of passengers away. It's asked for a bailout from the federal government in Washington of $12 billion. So far, President Trump has declined to help. But the bus and subway workers say the public transport network is the lifeblood of the place and before coronavirus hit, it carried around 8 million passengers a day. It is still carrying thousands of essential workers. Samira Hussain's been speaking to some of the transport workers in New York who say they're also very much on the front line, just like doctors and nurses. It's the engine that powers New York City's economy, the largest transit system in America. Five and a half million people used to use the subway each day until the coronavirus took hold of the Big Apple. Full disclosure, this is the first time that I am on the subway since March. I am able to work from home, and if I need to get anywhere, well, I drive. And so many New Yorkers are doing the same thing, and that's why subway ridership has cratered 70%. But not everyone has the option of avoiding public transit to protect their health. I was actually one of the MTA workers who got sick really bad and um, still recovering to this day. Tramel Thompson is a train operator for the New York City subway. He got COVID back in March and is still not well enough to go back to work. It is December. When I got sick, I mean, it was hard. I couldn't see my family at all. I was, I was alone. I couldn't see my son, couldn't play with my son. I mean, even now, like, wanting to play with my son and I'm fatigued. Even though I feel we underappreciated, a lot of us take pride in our jobs. And we serve a serious function in this city. Without New York City Transit, stock markets, Wall Street, all these billion-dollar companies, we bring them their clientele, you know. So we serve a very important role, and I'm proud of that. He's right. The city's economy makes up 10% of America's. It's why keeping its trains and buses moving is essential to more than just New Yorkers. But the workers who operate the system say they don't get the frontline treatment of other essential industries. No other job comes in contact with more people than we do. Not the airports, not NYPD, not FDNY. It's transit workers. Millions of people a day, 6 to 8 million people a day. So imagine being around 6 to 8 million people a day when nobody knew what this pandemic was. And so many of us getting infected and losing our lives. You know, it's heartbreaking. Everything that I touch with my hand, I wipe down. James Eden is a bus operator with 10 years experience, but he has felt alone protecting himself against the virus. It's been rough. Some of my coworkers, a couple have passed away due to the virus. Uh, some have been getting sick. 
What's it like for you driving the bus every day during this pandemic? Scary. Scary. Reason why I say it's scary, because you don't know who comes on a bus that's affected. The bus is constantly recycled in and out, day in, day out. So when people come on a bus, they may be affected at this end of the line, but you don't know who's affected or not. It's, it's scary driving, but, it, you know, it's my job, so, you know, I have to do it. Do you think of yourself as a frontline worker? Yes, we all bus drivers think as ourselves as frontline workers. Do we get that respect as frontline workers? No, we don't. We don't get that respect as a, a fireman or a policeman or a nurse or a doctor, the essential workers. We don't get that respect. And those difficulties are likely to continue. New York's transportation authority, the MTA, has gone to the federal government asking for $12 billion without success. It now hopes a Biden administration may be more willing to help. Even with record low ridership, millions of people still use the buses and subway. Most are on their way to essential jobs. That means keeping the city going during the rest of the pandemic and through to an economic recovery will mean protecting the workers who keep us all moving. Samira Hussein reporting there from New York. When the COVID-19 virus was first identified in Wuhan in Hubei province a year ago, the authorities moved swiftly to lock the area down. Restrictions and checkpoints were imposed across the rest of the country. Now, whilst many countries in the West are still in the grip of the virus, with hospitals near capacity and economies battered, life in China is returning to normal. Businesses are reopening, but the scars left by the epidemic are still there. Our reporter Su Ping Chang has been speaking to people in Wuhan and Shanghai. It's back to blackboards and books in this English lesson in Wuhan. COVID-19 has made getting students back to school a global challenge. Teacher Li Kuang returned to his classroom months ago. It's made his life easier. After all, as with any language, practice makes perfect. Looking adorable. (laughs) But Lee says things were very different at the start of the year when Wuhan, the epicenter of the virus, went into an unprecedented lockdown. Um, I actually remembered the date precisely, actually. I think it's 20th January uh, and we got information from our school that we have to stop teaching right away and all go home. But at that time, we didn't know what coronavirus was and we didn't actually take it very seriously. We were just very happy that we don't have to work, so we just went home. The days quickly turned into weeks. And after a 76-day lockdown, Wuhan's residents emerged into a very different world. first day when I went out was on 18th of April, and there were not many people in the subway. We also have to scan a code to show the time when we left so they can track us if we have the virus. It's been about six months since that time. What's life like now? I think life is getting really normal now. I already did a lot of things that I used to do before this year, like going, going to the cinema, 
karaoke, the government uh, put forward a policy to people nationwide that um, they can come to visit Wuhan and visit places in Hubei province without having to pay anything. This action actually make many people think that Wuhan is really safe. So a lot of people come in and we also can go out to visit other cities. More from Li Kuang later. But with that safety he talks about comes confidence. Factories have fired back up and the traffic jams and packed trains are back. That's not so fun for commuters, but it's given the economy a big boost. Jin Yan is chief China economist at ICBC Standard Bank. The labour market has remained very strong and that's quite uh, interesting because last time we had a financial crisis back in 2008, 2009 and back then we did see large-scale layoffs. However, this time round, the state said we're going to deploy all necessary uh, measures to ensure particularly the small-medium enterprises are kept open. Over in Shanghai, China's biggest city, restaurant owner Luca Fregeni is preparing for another busy evening. But while business is back, it's far from business as usual. China is totally different from all over the world. If the government says not safe to go out, people don't go out. If the government say you can go out, people is going to go out. So if I walked into your restaurant uh, tonight, would it be exactly the same as it was at the end of last year? No, 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 no. This, in terms of business, it cannot be compared to last year because uh, when when there was no any pandemic, uh, all the city was open to tourism, to events, trade show. There was a lot of visitors. Now it's there is just local business. Yeah, it's good, but it cannot be compared to the business that was before. I would say that is at least a fifty percent less. Luca Fregeni in Shanghai. There's also the ongoing question of exactly how much state support is healthy. Here's economist Ginny Yan of ICBC Standard Bank again. What you need is efficient growth, and that is to allow more private sector investment to challenge the existing institutions that state-owned enterprises already bring to the economy. Ginny Yan. The pandemic has also left its mark on China in other ways. It's made teacher Li Kuang less eager to explore the outside world. At the beginning of this year, when we didn't know that coronavirus is going to be this severe, I was planning to go travel abroad. But especially like in America, there are a lot of infected people. So I think maybe not until the end of 2022, I think it won't be safe. But starting next spring, I will travel inside China. Every month, I think. <laughs> a chance to see your homeland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teacher Li Kuang talking to my colleague Su Ping Chang. You're with Business Weekly, and we're going to be looking at the restaurant industry now. The pandemic has clearly hit this sector harder than many others, but necessity has been the mother of invention for some of them, who managed to work out how to keep their businesses going as well as the communities around them. Elizabeth Hotson reports. It's late December and here in London and the rest of the UK we've been in and out of various coronavirus lockdowns and restrictions since March. I'm standing a few minutes away from the BBC office. It's nearly lunchtime and despite the constant drizzle and threat of a downpour, in more normal times I'd be fighting for pavement space with hungry office workers. But we're not living in normal times and I've pretty much got the street to myself. 
On this road alone, three purveyors of variously bagels, sushi and sandwiches have closed permanently and the ones that have stayed open, at least when they're allowed to, have had to adapt. London isn't alone in its struggle. It's been a similar story in other culinary hotspots. Nicole Ponseca owns Jeepney, which over several years she's turned into an extremely popular diner serving Filipino food to hungry New Yorkers. The restaurant started off as uh, what we now know as a pop-up. And uh, at the beginning, it was no one. (laughs) I had to pay my server $100 to come back to work. And then something happened by the third weekend. It went gangbusters. And there was a line around the corner in the dead of January. So, I mean, fast forward to sort of March 2020, you've got an absolutely thriving business in a a really fashionable part of New York. And then suddenly you, along with every other restaurant, has to close. What were your feelings? How long did it take you to come up with an alternative way of trading, in effect? We closed, I think the date is March 13th, when it was announced that New York City was going to go in a lockdown. And I adhered to that. And then I I started reading things about feeding frontliners. There are so many Filipinos in the medical field that I was like, oh, I wonder if they would want to eat their food. It would be misleading if I didn't also say it could be an opportunity to keep the, the pulse alive at the restaurant. So in effect, you're delivering a little bit of home and sort of familiar, well, food culture to Filipino staff members in hospitals and so on. And I guess maybe giving them a bit of a morale boost in a way, knowing that they've got someone thinking about them. At first it was, when are you coming to my hospital? And then once they got it, it definitely was received with the warmth that we had hoped. We would write little notes on the bags and... That's the power of food, right? Just uh, some rice and some chicken adobo. But somehow you can feel connected. And forming a connection with new customers and sometimes other food outlets has got some businesses through what seems like an interminable sticky patch. My name is JP Fenn. I am the co-founder of Crosstown and we specialise in sweet treats. So things like sourdough donuts, cookies, ice cream and specialty coffee. Overnight, when lockdown happened, we had to go 100% online. We created the Crosstown Collective, banding together with other hospitality businesses that were in the same boat, Estate Dairy and and Miller's Bakery. So we pulled together our resources, started selling bread, eggs, milk, butter, fruit and veg, and it allowed us to really keep our team active and busy. It allowed us to survive. During lockdown, a lot of people were working from home and some people didn't even leave the house, but were still, for example, working eight-hour days, nine-hour days, ten-hour days. And you can only bake so much of your own banana bread. Did you get many offices, for example, getting donuts delivered to their employees who were working from home so that they had a bit of a treat, had a bit of a lift in the middle of the afternoon? Yeah, definitely. We actually have a product called the Work From Home Box. (laughs) It's an interesting point about businesses sending their employees packs. I think the idea of trying to keep staff engaged and motivated and providing a little moment away is becoming more and more important. You've 
you've had to make changes. Which of those changes do you think will stay when we're hopefully back to normal at some point, maybe late next year? It's hard to imagine work from home policies not being a part of the DNA of most businesses now. Even for Crosstown, where we've had a small head office, there's about 10 individuals there. They all used to come in Monday to Friday, and now obviously they're all working remote. And I definitely think there's an element of missing some face-to-face interaction and a dual model of part work from home, part work in the office. Some outlets, like Crosstown, have managed to thrive during the pandemic. And talking to cautiously optimistic business owners like JP Fenn, it's tempting to forget how much the food landscape's changed. So to put things into perspective, I asked Dominic Olport from the NPD group to plunge us back into cold, hard reality. Pre-pandemic, we were seeing that eating out, as you've just described, accounted for roughly 30% of all meals consumed. If you narrow it down to the UK, spending on restaurants and cafes and other sorts of eating out places was about £58 billion during 2019, and that's more than the British government spends on defence. Then fast forward to the height of the pandemic, and obviously restaurants were having to close or were restricted in their trading, and the proportion of meals we sourced uh, from supermarkets shot up to about 90%. So, so there was 10% left, and that meant that a lot of restaurant uh, chains struggled to survive because their sales went down to about 20 or 25% of what they normally see. And as a result of those big market changes, they had to show quite a lot of adaptability. Adaptability has certainly been the key for one London-based pizza chain. My name's Tom Elliott. I'm the co-founder of Pizza Pilgrims, which is a Neapolitan pizzeria business based in London and Oxford, and uh, now a pizza in the post business across the whole UK. What's a pizza in the post? It sounds quite messy. (laughs) So pizza in the post was our, wait a minute, we've just been closed in every single restaurant in mid-March. What do we do now? My brother, being the genius of the years, came up with the idea of dissembling a pizza and having, you know, the dough, the tomato sauce, the cheese, all in separate pots and then put it in a pizza box and send it in a chilled package to the post overnight. And then you make the pizza at home as a, as a kit. The magic trick that we discovered is that cooking Neapolitan pizza is really hard at home because you don't have the domed 500 degree oven. But actually the way to do it is nothing to do with your home oven, but it's about using a frying pan on a hob and then under the grill. You kind of epitomise that notion of businesses really having to adapt. So what were your thoughts back in March when you were told you can't open? We had our busiest ever week as a business, the last week in February. And then two weeks later, we were completely closed with no revenue at all. And it was just such a jarring, bizarre time. James came up with the idea of this pizza in the post thing. You know, we assembled a few and sent them to people we knew that lived far away to see if you could magically send pizza through the post. And they all got there in great shape. So we were like, well, you know, we've got nothing to lose. Let's give it a try. And we put it on Instagram and then the next morning put 50 kits up. And I think we sold them in something like 25 seconds. It was that time in the world when it was like early April and it's just 
everyone was just looking for something to do, something different. We put another 50 up the next day and they sold out in similar time. And then I think we put 1,100 kits up for sale on Friday and we sold it in 50 minutes. And that still is the busiest hour we've ever had as a company. The gamble we took is that we, we had no way of fulfilling that at all. We could do maximum like 50 a day, maximum. We had no infrastructure whatsoever. In the way that only a pandemic allows you, we just reached out to everyone and said, we're trying to fight for survival here. We're going to put these kits up. We can't tell you when you're going to get it. You will get it at some point in the next six weeks. You know, I guess that's, you know, out of adversity comes the, the best stuff, right? And it's not just the relatively small and perhaps more nimble food and drink businesses which have had to pivot. High street giants haven't been able to afford to stand still either, as Dominic Allport points out. We heard, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, from Marks and Spencers, which is a UK retailer. And they talked about having to cram three years worth of change into one year. Restaurants have had to move even faster than that to survive. At the height of the initial lockdown, it was different in different countries. But at that time, it was very difficult to get a delivery slot from your favourite supermarket. So many restaurants realised that there was a gap in the market. And they tried to fill that gap either by offering food produce and essentials or by offering meal kits, while the eating out market declined by almost 60% during Q2 2020 versus Q2 2019. Occasions when consumers ordered takeaway food rose 11% during Q2 this year versus a year ago. And that 11% across the big five European markets means another 41 million eating out occasions that took place at home. In London, the Pret-a-Manger coffee and sandwich chain is so ubiquitous that there are multiple branches on single streets. In fact, there are five or six within walking distance of where I'm sitting at the BBC right now. Back in March, Pret was suddenly faced with little to no footfall and consumers wary of going back to the high street, even when restrictions were loosened. So it had to come up with some new ideas and fast. One of these was a $25 a month subscription deal, which is good for up to five drinks a day. If you're an enthusiastic guzzler like myself, that's a great offer. But one which you can't imagine would make sense in normal times. But then 2020 has been anything but normal, as Bryony Raven, Pret's UK food and coffee director, explains. Typically something like this would have probably taken 18 months or two years in kind of pre-COVID and pre-PREP world um, and I guess what, what we were clear was we didn't have that time so during the summer months we, we knew there was an opportunity where people might start to be coming back to offices in September and we really just wanted to make sure that PREP had that offer that was available so we moved at speed we knew it wasn't going to be absolutely perfect um, for day one and, and that was a really difficult concept for a lot of people in PREP to kind of accept but we just wanted to make sure that we got something out there. I think one of the big issues for business is that the, the rules about how many people can gather together, which parts of shops and bars and coffee shops are actually allowed to open, whether you're allowed to just do takeaway, whether people have to sit outside. And, and that's constantly changing. Um, you know, how does that work? How does a business like yours plan for that? Pret historically has been built on a business that, you know, is 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 fast, that people can come in and, and grab a coffee and a sandwich um, quickly. And so obviously when we have to put in the social distancing measures and we have to react quickly to those things, it does mean that the number of transactions you can get through in a period in those kind of big breakfast or lunchtime um, 
opportunities is, is massively reduced. And obviously, when we've got the number of shops that we do um, changing at, at speed um, is, is a challenge. But I think what we now have is the benefit of a huge amount of learnings from that first lockdown that we continue to take through um, and navigate our way through this kind of pandemic. Having a famous name can get you very far in retail, but even the world's most coveted brands have been held hostage by coronavirus, as I found out during a trip to a London legend at the beginning of December. Hello, I'm Michael Ward and I'm the Managing Director of Harrods. We start in January buying for the full year. All of our Christmas puddings, our mince pies, everything has been bought, so we've had to make sure we've rejigged the supply chain. You've got to stand back and not feel sorry for yourself. You've got to start to do something about it. So in June, in early June, we realised we were going to have a problem with stock. So we took the Debenham store in Westfield and we opened the first socially distanced store. And that'll operate until March to take the pressure off this building so you can be really safe in Harrods. So you can either sit down and feel sorry for yourself or you can do something about it. And looking around the, well, I guess it's the Christmas food um, sort of gifting area. We've got some um, chocolate baubles, the famous Harrods Christmas cakes, biscuit tins. And, you know, for the last 10, 20, 30 years, Harrods has been a really international destination for people from the Middle East, China, Japan, the US, pretty much everywhere. What are you going to do this year when there are so many travel restrictions and you're not going to get that international footfall? We've just got to pivot and get more of the, inter- the local business. So the, the international is not coming. But having said that, we've got all of our personal shoppers, we've got all of our long-distance shoppers sending parcels across the world. But we've got to do more for our local customers. So that customer will feel even more special this year. And, and how do you do that? Is there a difference in product selection? Is there a difference um, in, uh, in, in packaging, for example? How, how do you cater more to a domestic market? I think it's going that extra mile. So we launched on supper. So you can buy not only our restaurants, but you can buy all of our delicatessen products. And it's interesting, it's the same customers who loved the baby chicken in the store are buying the baby chicken. So it's basically keeping that bond and relationship with your customer. Will you be carrying forward any of the changes and adaptations that you've made this year? Has it made you into a more efficient business in, in, a, in a roundabout way? Absolutely not. It's made us into the most inefficient business worth in the world. I mean, we've got plastic screens between everything. We've got distancing. I mean, there is nothing efficient about this. We've had to rewrite the rules. You used to love putting the lipstick on your hand. No. All of those things that you took for granted have all gone. And I have to say, none of them are nice. Your ideal for next year, as with a lot of people, would just be to turn back the clock and and go back to how things were in 2019 before this all happened? My ideal would be very much that. And I actually went through the ordeal of two weeks quarantining in China and went into Shanghai. And I then went to three cities. It was just like going back a year. So if this is held back and handled properly, we can go back to a, a, a normal life. We've just got to be strong and do it properly. Whilst adapting has been immensely painful for a lot of businesses, some have seen it as an opportunity, including restaurateur Nicole Ponseca, who's planning to expand her empire into Miami. Some of the operational changes I wanted to exact in the business before the pandemic. So I'm throwing everything against the wall, meaning I'm going for it. If I've wanted to pursue a meal kit, I'm doing it. It's been such an opportunity because we don't know what comes tomorrow. 
So I, I'm, not, I'm not taking it for granted the time we have now. Nicole Ponseca ending that report by Elizabeth Hodson. That's all for this week's show. From producer Claire Williamson and me, thank you for being with us. Goodbye. You're listening to TED Talks Daily. I'm Elise Hugh. On today's show, Dr. Bernice Albertine King. She's the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the CEO of the King Center. In her talk from TED 2020, she calls on all of us in America to think about this moment we're living in and remember that to move forward, we have to deconstruct systems of oppression that the country is built upon and rebuild in a nonviolent way. I was five years old when my father was assassinated. And he did change the world. But the tragedy is that we didn't hear what he was saying to us as a prophet to his, this nation. And his words are now reverberate, reverberating back to us. Change, we all know, is necessary right now. And yet it's not easy. But I want to talk about America's choice at a greater level. The prophet said to us, we still have a choice today, nonviolent coexistence or violent co-annihilation. We have seen literally in the streets of our nation, people who have been following the path of nonviolent protest and people who have been hell bent on destruction. Those choices are now looking at us and we have to make a choice. The history of this nation was founded in violence. In fact, my father said, America is the greatest purveyor of violence. And the only way forward is if we repent for being a nation built on violence. And I'm not just talking about physical violence. I'm talking about systemic violence. I'm talking about policy violence. I'm talking about what he spoke of, of the triple evils of poverty, racism, and militarism. All violent. Albert Einstein said something to us. He said, we cannot solve problems on the same level of thinking in which they were created. And so if we are going to move forward, we are going to have to deconstruct these systems of violence that we have set in America, and we're gonna have to reconstruct on another foundation. That foundation happens to be love and nonviolence. And so as we move forward, we can correct course if we make that choice that daddy said, nonviolent coexistence and not continue on the pathway of violent co-annihilation. So what does that look like? That, that looks like some deconstruction work in order to get to the construction. We have to deconstruct our thinking. We gotta deconstruct the way in which we see people and deconstruct the way in which we operate, practice, and engage 
and set policy. And so I believe that there's a lot of heart, H-E-A-R-T work to do in the midst of all the H-A-R-D, hard work to do. Because heart work is hard work. One of the things we have to do is we have to ensure that everyone, especially my white brothers and sisters, have to engage in the heart work, the anti-racism work in our hearts. No one is exempt from this, especially in my white community. We must do that work in our hearts, the anti-racism work. The second thing is that I encourage people to look at the nonviolence training that we do at the King Center, the KingCenter.org, so that we learn the foundation of understanding our interrelatedness and interconnectedness. That we understand our loyalties and our commitments and our policy making can no longer be devoted to one group of people, but has to be devoted to the, the greater good of all people. We all have to change and have to make a choice. It is a choice to change the direction that we have been going. We need a revolution of values in this country. That's what my daddy said. He changed the world, he changed hearts. And now what has happened over the last seven, eight years and through history, we have to change course. And we all have to participate in changing America with a true revolution of values where people are at the center and not profit, where morality is at the center and not our military might. America does have a choice. We can even choose to go down continually that path of destruction, or we can choose nonviolent coexistence. And as my mother said, struggle is a never ending process. Freedom is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. Every generation is called to this freedom struggle. You as a person may want to exempt yourself, but every generation is called. And so I encourage corporations in America to start doing anti-racism work within corporate America. I encourage every industry to start doing anti-racism work and pick up the banner of understanding nonviolent change personally and from a social change perspective. We can do this. We can make the right choice to ultimately build the beloved community. Thank you. PRX. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. 
How does this work? R Ryan, is, is this thing on? Oh, oh we're, we're recorded? Ryan! Welcome to Quarantining with the Chris's, the podcast. The Chris's are proud to present today's sponsor, Leafy Organics. Leafy Organics prana made with organic turmeric and ginger. Decreases inflammation, improves brain function, benefits heart health, and improves joint condition. Yes, uh, go to leafyorganics.com or on the gram at leafyorganics. That's L-E-E-F-Y. Get 15% off your first purchase uh, with our code. Chris, what's the code? Discount code QWTC. Also, a very special thank you to all the Chris's team members who have donated at patreon.com slash QWT. Chris's, Ryan, start the show. Hey, come on to dance. Uh, no, you're no dancing on Fridays for you. We're allowed to dance on Fridays, right? Yeah, and so you know why? It's because Ryan has one talent, and he can dance, and he outshines us. You know what? That was the only job description I put on Craigslist to find him in the first place. I yeah. Mean, no, we know. We no, know. You can do the moonwalk. We know. We know. We know. You can do those dances the kids are doing on the TikTok. You know, yeah. whap. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. yeah. No, it's cool. We get it. You can really dance. You can really dance. Yeah. It's cool, though. Yeah. We can dance better than you. We're also going to be alive soon, Ryan, yeah. so we don't really we don't really need you anymore. I mean, we need you during the live to do the things that you're supposed to do, but he never really does it. He never does know? anything, yeah. No. I mean, he's going, on vacation. he's going on another vacation, Chris. Wait, he's going on another vacation? Yeah. He's going on a road trip. Ryan's road trip? Yeah, he's going on a road trip. Ryan, did we you sign a permission slip? Did we sign it? Did I sign it? He's uh, he's holding it against us, Chris. What? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're, oh, this, this, we're live? We're, we're live. Ryan, you know what? It's the last day before your road trip, and this is what you do to us? I guess. I I'm guess sorry, folks. This is ridiculous. Uh, Ryan, you play the music? Musica? Aura? Por favor? Gracias. What just happened, sons? That these two men would meet that day and Times 30 edition. Thank you for dancing with us or lounging, or if you're in San Diego, uh, sharing a wall with us, or you're my biological mother. We appreciate you for joining Quarantine the Christmas today live in Los Angeles. Live here in Los Angeles from the quarantine quarters. Chris. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and we do this every day that ends in Y, but doesn't start with S Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's correct. Uh, we just got breaking news, folks, uh, from our intern, Ryan. Hashtag intern, Ryan. Uh, if you want to promote him on Instagram, which you shouldn't, 
because you should do hashtag QWT. Chris is. Uh, but Ryan apparently is going on a road trip on Monday. Yeah, yeah. What are we going to do without him? I don't know. I don't know. We can't. The show can't go on without Ryan. Should we, should we have a vote here? I mean, I Ryan's vote counts for nothing, so should we just place a vote here? Okay. Um, you know what? Sorry, folks. This is uh, unexpected. He had Chris sign his permission slip, so you know I wouldn't sign it. So we're going to vote right now to see if we're going to go on a road trip as well, because apparently we're letting Ryan out uh, for uh, Ryan's road trip. Uh, okay. So we do a... a I'm going to... It's a yes or no, I think, Ryan. Uh, I, I put... Uh-oh. Yes. I put no. Oh, we got to write it backwards. Hold Uh-oh. on. Hold on. Right. Well, I guess I guess Ryan finally has a vote. Ryan, you got a vote. Ryan gets a vote. Two votes to one. Uh, apparently, Ryan's road trip is going to extend... Uh, for all of us. Uh-oh. Wow. Wow. Didn't see that Uh-oh. Benny, Benny votes to go on without Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, how do you feel about that? Ryan, did you want the hidden opponent to do the show by himself? <laughs> That would be great. Uh, no, apparently we just had a vote, first ever quarantine the Chris's vote. Uh, Ryan is going on a road trip next week, wow. so uh, we figured we might as well join him. What a great democracy we have here, yeah. Chris. Yeah, get out there and vote. Seven, uh, two, six, seven, seven, what's seven two six seven eight, I think. Seven, eight, Voter. Okay. Uh, right. Just check our uh, episode from two, three weeks ago it's with Sonny Jenkins of I Am Voter, and you'll find out that number. Mm. I think it's two, six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight, nine. Uh-huh. One of those numbers. Mm. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for blowing up with us. We appreciate you today. Uh, we have a special PSA, the same as every day in season two. Uh, yes. Uh, what does it say there? I haven't, can't, still can't read. Uh, so, oh, please be responsible. Practice your uh, physical distancing and wear a mask. I think what he's trying to say is please wear an effing mask. Uh, please stay away from people. And uh, please don't do things you shouldn't do. Uh, like the good folks in Maine did for having a wedding on August 7th and then spreading COVID to nursing homes and prisons. Uh, basically, they just spread it all around me. Yes, uh, Ryan just did a fact check. Uh, please go out there. Good news is to go out there and vote. It is uh, 26797. 26797. Yes. Text voter to 26797 yes. uh, for all your voting needs. I mean, you should all vote. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, we have a SOPA Max. Uh, has donated ten dollars with the message "Love your streams." Oh wow! Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. whoa. We're getting a lot of information. Wow! Here. We just got a live donation, Chris. Uh, thank you if you're watching on uh, YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's the Facebook, mm. I think it's called, uh, or Instagram, which Zuckerberg also owns. Uh, wow. We appreciate you. Uh, we're gonna add that to the broadcast because uh, I don't know Superman X is, but we appreciate yeah, you. Thanks, Superman uh, X. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for joining Quarantine the Chris's, whether you're on Instagram or not. Uh, we do have all of our links to all of our social media uh, in our bio on Instagram or our link tree. Uh, mm. COVID does not exist. Wow. He's like, Mr. Beast is coming. Wow. Uh, hey, hope you have a nice day. Wow. This could be spam. It could not be. And who knows? Who knows? We're again, lots of bingers. Yeah, a lot of bings. Uh, we appreciate you uh, for you. joining us all across the interwebs. We're quarantined the Chris's. Uh, you can check us out on our website, QWT. Oh, Chris's. Uh, and buy some fresh merch. There's only three of these three left. left. Limited edition, Three Dr. t-shirts Chris. left from our friend Davey. As the season two shirts, uh, if they're coming out next week, they'd probably have to drop right now because we were told this week and apparently mm. it's not. But they're coming, they're coming sooner soon. or later. You know, so, uh... Shout out to Benny Rubio, actually. He, uh, he's the one who got one of these mugs here. Oh, wow, great. these mugs. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for rating and donating random channels. Uh, donating $1,000. Give me a good reaction. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. That's a really reaction. Mm. Um, we appreciate it. Ooh. 
Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, here is uh, coffee with the Chris's. Uh, there's a special emoji today. You get a selection of coffee, a uh, season one t-shirt, a man hanging on for dear life, or a sticker. Um, anything you want if you guess the emoji today. Only one emoji at a time. Ooh, someone got her t-shirt. Wow. 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 Congratulations. Uh, well, glow up gal, Miss Kara Connects. Ooh, shout to Kara. She has two personalities, kind of like uh, like my buns today. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. But one attitude. Our community cause of the week is Save the Waves. Save the Waves uh, protects coastal ecosystems around the world through innovative strategies in partnership with local communities. Uh, catch all six episodes from Save the Waves Surf and Environmental Film Festival online. Uh, how much is it, Chris? Uh, free. Oh, it's completely free. Yes. Uh, completely free for the six episodes from the Save the Waves Surf and Environmental Film Festival. Check them out at savethewaves.org slash film festival. That's savethewaves.org slash film festival. Or on Instagram uh, and all across social media at Save the Waves Coalition. Uh, we do have to pay the bills, Chris. Yes, uh, we do have to pay the bills on this Fancy Friday podcast edition. So let's uh, shout out the podcast equipment we use the least. Oh, Focusrite. Focusrite. Scarlet 2.2, 2i2. Uh, a revolutionary interface that we continue to not use because we just port our Instagram uh, feed onto our podcast. But if you'd like to listen to the podcast and not look at our faces yes. as uh, Ryan turns his back on us during the show because he hates looking at us. Mm. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, something called Spotify. Have you heard of it? Uh, no. no oh, okay. No. Interesting. Um, and all across social media, uh, thank you for donating all of the money to us. I can do wow. better than you and an F wow. you. Wow. That's, uh, wow. I can't match Junkin. Uh, wow. We just got donated uh, a zillion dollars on A zillion on dollars. Wow. A zillion dollars. Uh, thank you for all that. We appreciate you. Uh, according to the Christmas, I'm Mr. Beast's cousin. Oh, wow. wow. We have a cousin in here. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got glow-up gals. We got cousins. This is a podcast edition. It's a, it's a family affair here. Yes. Uh, at the quarantine quarters. Quarantine with the Christmas. Thank you for joining us again. Ryan, do we have a guest uh, lined up here, or are we just going to go solo today? What do, you, what do you got? You're going on a road trip. Yeah, I think he gave up already, Chris. He's hey, already out the door. He went home? Yes. Oh. Uh, we're... Do, do, do. In the world is In the world is San Diego. In the world is San Diego. I love this song. Hey guys, what's up? Oh, hey Daniela, how are you? I'm awesome. Fancy Friday. I'm so excited. I've got all my fancies on. I've got fancy shoes. Can you see my shoes? Oh, I'll take them off. Oh, so yeah, here. Yes! Oh. <laughs> that way. <laughs> you guys have really, like, all natural. Because of the environment, you have all natural shoes. Oh, you guys are yeah. so, you're so committed to your craft. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, cheers to you, Danielle Garcia at danny.san.diego hey. and at Booking. Uh, we appreciate to you that. for joining us today. You're in hot Atlanta? A hot Atlanta, hey. yes. How's it going out there? Um, I have not been leaving my home for very long, so I don't know about the heat, but I heard a hurricane earlier. <laughs> oh, wow. You can hear it. Was, you, can hear you, can, you hear the winds, and it's just like... And then you hear the thunder, and then you're like, whoa, what's happening? And then you go to Twitter, and you see, like, hurricane names trending. And you're like, oh, 
That's what's happening. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Huh. Uh, hopefully, Laura, the hurricane that's going through the Gulf uh, of Mexico there, uh, doesn't come say hi to you. We, we, that's a bad thing. We don't want that coming anywhere near you. No, and you know, quite frankly, I don't even know if I know a Laura that I would want to come and say hi to me. So I'm cool with no Laura's coming. That by. makes two of you. <laughs> <laughs> Odds are. Uh, well, uh, taking a quick break here to pay the bills. Uh, Ryan, can you cue up a uh, little ditty here? Do ba ba dee ba boo, ba da. Here is your sponsor of the day. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. At participating McDonald's. Daniela Garcia, uh, you look like you're slabbing right now, just yes. like Paris Hilton right now. I mean, that's a, a term she just coined, we learned uh, recently, slaying and living your best life. I mean, what have you been up to during the quarantine, slabbing? I've been sliving pretty hard. Let me tell you, Paris would be so proud. And oh. not the city, the person. Oh, the person? <laughs> oh. Yeah. I think the city of Paris would actually probably disapprove a lot of, of, a lot of my things. They'd probably disapprove <laughs> of all of our things as well, plus more. Yeah, yeah and like, who wants the French's approval anyway? <laughs> oh, we don't actually have any fans in France. Right, we don't have any fans in Fran no. France yet, but if we did, thank you for uh, Parlez-vous Chris's. Do you speak Chris's? That's all I actually, yes, I, I do know Parlez-vous. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> but no, um, during quarantine, I have launched what is going to be the social network for podcasters and podcasting on the web. I'm super excited about it. And I've been just sliving indoors six feet away, if not more, from other people with my mask. Wow. wow. Perfect. She listened to our PSA. She does listen to yeah. our PSA. Thank you for telling not only did I, I didn't only listen. I've been living it, guys. Been Whoa. Wow, that's part of sliding. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, well, Daniela, you were the founder and CEO of Podbooking. Uh, I mean, last time that we checked, uh, comedy, uh, news, and I believe education, education yes. were the top three podcasts. I mean, you get all of that with Quarantine with the Chris's. I mean, guys, you guys have a really perfect show. You've got a, a show that covers all the bases. Your success is inevitable. We're sliding into every base, Chris. Wow. Wow. In, in, in all categories. There's even some mystery, because like, now people are going to be like, wow, are they wearing shoes? Ooh, wow. <laughs> not the only mystery here. Wow. Are they wearing pants? <laughs> yes. Well, they can really dance. That's how it dance. It's not even Crime Tuesday either. It's not no mysteries. Oh, thanks for knowing my days of the week, guys. Yeah, also, so your days of the week at, at Podbooking, uh, where podcasting meets collaboration, is uh, is Tuesday is... Uh, crime Tuesday? Crime? True uh, crime. Wednesday, True crime Tuesday. Wednesday is, is wine? Wine, wine and wisdom. Wine wisdom Wednesday. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's Friday, though. What's, but uh, there is another one. I think that... Mm. Uh, I think we have a... Ryan, you have it over here? Yes. Uh, was it Waffle Sundays? Yes! I love brunch! Ooh. What's your favorite thing to do after brunch? Um, go for walks. Hmm. And, like, I like to walk in, like, parks or places where, like, there are people and families and things like that. And I could just, like, be around people and bustling things. Like, I'm, that's what I miss most about the world hmm. in its normal time. Yeah. Before COVID came and visited all of us and made everyone have a bad time. Yeah. Right? Right? Was, said here it was goal crushing. 
Ooh. on Sunday, brunching and goal crushing. Goal crushing is definitely the way to handle a Sunday evening, for sure. Because that's my planning. That's when I get my whole week squared away. And, and you've been planning as the CEO of Podbooking, a, uh, a world-renowned uh, platform. Uh, Ryan calls it uh, podcasting Facebook. Uh, what's the Facebook again? The mm. Zuckerberg's thing? Mm. Yeah. Zuckerberg owns it. Yeah, that oh, guy. Oh, okay. Uh, so tell us about uh, podbooking. Uh, how did it start? Uh, and can we get in on the wait list? Yes. You guys are definitely in on the wait list. Nice. Don't even worry about it. For sure. You guys are totally. Don't worry about it. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but podbooking is going to be, yeah, it's going to be like the Facebook for podcasting. And I say that super loosely because of laws. Um, <laughs> laws. There's laws on the internet? Hmm. I mean, the thing is, is that if there are laws on the internet, there's no way Mark Zuckerberg's not breaking them. So you True. better not hold me accountable. <laughs> the NSA's listening. Watch out. Everyone's listening. Right the now. NSA is always listening. I like stopped hiding my opinions. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, eh, they've got them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why even? Nah. <laughs> but no, Podbooking is going to be a social platform, social network, connecting podcasters, and kind of most importantly, categorizing podcasters, making it so that listeners, guests, media, brands that want to collaborate, uh, engineers, networks, everything else, everybody else involved in the podcasting world will be able to find podcasts easier because it's going to be like oh hey i i'm a beauty brand and i want to advertise on a you know mindful beauty maybe something that's targeting young girls something that's talking about lifestyle or specifically beauty uh, podcast things like that they'll be able to be like okay i want cosmetics and beauty and these are all the relevant shows i can go to and like directly start working with and collaborating with and honestly, it's just, for me, that's been the biggest frustration with the podcasting world has always been, it's so hard to find everybody. It's so hard to collaborate and communicate and come together because we're all on all these other platforms and we're all creating our own little clicks. And there's all these little hashtags and there's these groups on Facebook and stuff like that. But there isn't just one space that unites everybody and it's just solely focused to this one world. So... That's great. Yeah. One, one space. So, uh, I mean, on this uh, podbooking, I mean, just world-renowned platform, is there going to be a top eight like MySpace? Like, mm -hmm. is it going to be like Daniela, Tom, and the Chris's you can be friends with? Yeah. I mean, I don't know where Tom's going to fit in on this, quite frankly. He's, he's like, gone off and become, a like, a photographer. Do you guys know about really? this? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah Tom's yeah. a – he's an Instagram influencer. Yeah, he is. Good for him. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> His photos are amazing. Shout to Tom. Like, Can you get Tom on the phone? Yeah. Which is actually hilarious because of the fact that his profile photo was the worst on MySpace. Yeah. Well, yeah but we were all, we, everyone was friends with him, though. We all were friends yeah. with him. And we all yeah. grew together. That was a part we of uh, our lives. We totally did. Days of our lives. Ooh. No, but I definitely have my Tom photo. Like, my photo of me just, like, at my computer working. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, but but pie booking, uh, it, it's there's still a wait list. I mean, when are people allowed to get inside? Yeah. I mean, we've been wait, we've been waiting outside all COVID. I mean, it's not safe out here. It's not. Look at we're, we're, yeah, yeah. we're we're in these these redwoods. We're waiting to get in. 
Okay, guys. So actually, you you guys didn't know that I was going to announce this today, but I decided that I was going to share it with you guys today, right now. Here's the moment. Beta testing will begin October 5th. <laughs> beta testers will be told that they've been selected October 1st. You guys will have those five days to create your profiles and also let me know whether or not you want to be beta testers and, you know, the logistics. Um, but then the party starts October 5th. You guys will have 20 days, and then we will go live to the rest of the world November 1st. Right on. Ooh. November 1st. So much fun. Saying so, it out loud is so crazy. That, that's amazing. <laughs> We're excited to be talking to these beta fishes. I've never, I'm, this is a new experience for us, but yeah. we have uh, <laughs> We spoke whale, but we we we'll work on our, uh, our our fish speaking. Yeah, that'd be yeah. Great. So it's it's all about the hands with speaking beta. It's all about the swishels. Oh. I actually I actually speak beta quite fluently. I've had two. <laughs> uh, a, special, a special announcement started to cut you off. A flight seven eight five has entered the IG live. Uh, wow. Flight seven eight five, uh, you're clear for takeoff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're clear. <laughs> oh, no pics after dark just joined. Hey. Uh, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> so there's no there's no pics after dark at all. Hmm. I guess no, not. no. They're not they're not allowed. Zero. Oh, huh. Well, we don't make the rules. Well, I guess uh, who who makes the rules if you, I thought the pod mother made all the rules. I am the pod mother. I I make some of the rules, but I mean, at the end of the day, my pod babies they, they want their own voices. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here all about it. I love it. I love that podcasting is this awesome world. People can just express themselves and there is no censorship and there is no like big brother hand in it. We are all just individuals that have created platforms for ourselves and are using our voices and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you also partnered with a podcast network, uh, Danielle Garcia, all the way in Hotlanta, uh, CEO and founder of Ad Pod Booking and founder also here at Danny.san.diego, we found her. Um, it was tough though. It actually was. It was tough to find to find you. It was tough. No, uh, I know my SEO is trash, but I can't change it now because I've put it on all of my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, branding. Uh, you have branding, with, man. Uh, the the social Nostra network. Uh, how has yes. that experience been? Oh my god, they've been fantastic. I highly recommend collaborating with them to absolutely everybody who wants to collaborate with some of the coolest people in the podcasting game. Obviously, not present company, you know, excluded. But they are amazing and they have created it's um run and operated by Kevin Perkins and he has been doing such a good job of just creating this one network that promotes all of the other shows and and it's he's just created an amazing community. Definitely at Social Nostra. I would definitely Absolutely. check those that out. I'm excited. You should you, right now, Ryan. Yeah, get him on too. Ryan, get on it. What are you doing, Ryan? He's he's, he's, he's packing he's, up. He's getting ready yeah. for his road trip on Monday. Oh, you guys are going on that, right? Uh, we, oh, we we took we a boat in the intro. Uh, we don't know if we're uh, even allowed to. Yeah. Like his head's gotten so big now in season two that he he says he's going on like an autograph like signing tour. Uh, he's got a better agent than we do. I think. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's fine, but like, who is Ryan without the Chris's? That's crazy. You hear that? You hear that? That's what we say, but that's he also like, says. Dude, that's like Chewy from like Chelsea Handler's show going on a signing tour. Like, what? Yeah. What, about, what about Chewy from uh, Star Wars? He could definitely go on a signing tour. He's got his own brand. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. But <laughs> is, uh, is, 
there's something strange in the neighborhood. Is that the Ghostbusters behind you? Or is that a No, that's actually that's Star Wars. Oh, it's Star Wars. That's Chewie right there. So those of you, those of you who signed up for the wait list and opened your emails, <laughs> you saw the video of me telling you guys the steps for beta testing and everything else. And you guys saw my Star Wars poster and the real OG fans all messaged me <laughs> later on and were like, love your Star Wars poster. I was like, thanks guys. <laughs> the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, in Hotlanta. <laughs> Welcome to the land. Yeah, it wasn't right at all. I don't know. It was close. It. it was close to it. And now, brought to you by Undisclosed Sponsor. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. At participating McDonald's. Well, Daniela, uh, you're also doing a webinar coming up as well, aside from that big announcement you just made about pod uh, booking. Uh, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So the big announcement, because I don't think NoPix was here, and like he'll want to hear this, was that beta testing starts October 5th. Beta testers will be told that they are beta testers October 1st, and we go live November 1st! November 1st, Ryan! <laughs> November 1st, Ryan, you can't be on a road trip then. But before then, we'll be doing an awesome co-branded webinar with Leadership Requested, another awesome organization for everybody to go and connect with. They, especially podcasters who are looking to be entrepreneurs with their show and monetize their shows and everything else, like and like learn more about like planning and strategizing and everything else. They're a great account to be connected with. Doing a webinar and it'll be focused on planning for growth. So the different strategies and different approaches that planning can take in, can the role that planning can take in growing your podcast, growing your business, growing your brand, everything else. That's great. Yeah. What What do we have to look forward to? We're at We're here at ground level. We like to be at the top of the canopies of the pod booking world. Can you give us <laughs> a little sneak peek advice? Sneak peek advice. Ooh, man. Oh, I have so many pieces of, of advice to give podcasters. <laughs> Uh, number one piece of advice to give podcasters would definitely be to follow pod booking so that you can see all of the tips that I'll give you <laughs> if you follow so that's, me. That's, so that's tip one, follow pod booking. We, we got this, we follow got one. Follow one is definitely follow pod booking. The next one is going to be, I'm going to say, number one, make a profile of your perfect audience listener. Perfect audience listener. Oh, okay. Wow. Break, break down who they are. What do they listen to? What are the other shows they're on? What brands do they like? Who, what kinds of foods are they eating? Who are they engaging with? Figure that out and you will figure out what you need to give your listeners to attract the audience you want to attract. Ooh, wow. There it is. Some solid advice. That's, uh, yeah, wine and wisdom. Wow. Wine wisdom. On a fancy Friday with Daniela Garcia. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and fun fact, she's not in California right now. What? No. No, I'm not. Huh? No. And I, that's confusing. And like I've never lived in San Diego. I've never lived in California. Before, that's like the line for people who try to slide into my DMs. They're like, oh, yeah. How'd, how'd you like San Diego? Or, oh, I love San Diego. And I'm like, great. <laughs> never cool, been. Cool, me too. <laughs> I didn't realize. Like, where is that? I don't know. <laughs> what's 
what's a San Diego? Does it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a flight 785 took off. What, what does he say there, Chris? Uh, my perfect podcast listeners, anyone who has ears. Wow. All right. Well, definitely do not make any Van Gogh references. <laughs> Problem solved. Flight 750, okay, 785. One guy, one guy who's gotcha. not on his... Uh, not on his target market. That's yeah. Vincent Van Gogh. But North no. Vincent Van Gogh. No. More like <laughs> Vincent Van No. <laughs> Vincent Van No. I think that just broke the internet. That just broke, broke the broke internet. internet. We broke the internet. We broke the internet. <laughs> you, you, you may know. All right, play the broke internet sound. Wow. That broke it. Broke it. That was really passive. <laughs> he is very passive. Um, but you are not. Uh, speaking of breaking the internet, in four weeks, you've gone from having 50 followers to almost 800 followers wow. on the gram. How did you do that? I've been planning for growth, guys. <laughs> but, but also, um, I'm going to say consistency. I, I mean, in just 30 days, I've posted 62 posts. Wow. I'm pretty sure. So that's, that's been really good. Yeah, that's been really consistent. And also, genuine engagement. Like, I genuinely... I'm, I've been listening to podcasts more. I'm genuinely featuring podcasts that I like and enjoy. I'm collaborating with people that I like and enjoy. And, and I'm, I'm putting in the work. There it is. Hmm, Put in work. From the, from the uh, Podbooking HQ there. Yes. Yeah. From Podbooking HQ. <laughs> so when all, these, when all these people are trying to slide into your DMs thinking you're in San Diego, uh, are you just like, hey, I'm on a boat with my husband right now, so buzz off? Because uh, weekends are for boating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weekends are definitely for boating. That's what else does somebody do on a Saturday or Sunday? That's crazy, yeah. not boat. Yeah. It's a mobile <laughs> uh, pod booking HQ. Oh. It's great. When pod booking HQ goes to the sea, that's my favorite place to be. <laughs> wow. Oh, can we expect, uh, can we expect some poets on pod booking? Oh, absolutely. I hope so. I mean, I can't make them come and hang out with us, but I hope they'll come. <laughs> yeah. they, they, got, they got nowhere else to go. It's COVID-19. We're all stuck inside. We're, stuck We're on the internet anyway. <laughs> yes. No, but also um, there's a lot of like spoken word poets are getting into podcasting now. And like they're making their like YouTube videos, just like the audio and p making podcasts and stuff. So okay. I'm hoping to definitely get some poet podcasters. I actually wrote poetry, so I'm hoping that maybe I could seduce them with my silver tongue. Uh -huh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to throw you on the spot right now. Do you have a haiku uh, for us? No. No, oh, I, I don't have a haiku. Right. You guys genuinely should have asked me to do that yesterday. Uh, that's part of uh, the uh, series of planning, right? Daniela Garcia, thank you for joining us today. Is that, today? Seven? Is that a haiku? Was that seven? Was that seven? Thank sure. you for joining. Close enough. Uh, end it with five. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep watching, watching us. us. Yay! Yay! Oh my god, you guys just did a haiku on the spot. <laughs> you know what? If oh my god, and Ryan did his time? If we got paid for every time we did a haiku live, we would have uh, one dollar. Yeah. Um, oh my god. But we're not the only. There's a look. The, the notes Ryan has put up there's been $659 million in revenue um, from podcasting. 
We're just curious because uh, we've made $700 million in revenue here at the Quarantine Castle. We're just wondering where, where, else, where else is the money going? Well, you guys aren't reporting to the IRS, so. Ooh, that's, yeah. that's why Ryan's running away. I think he's actually leaving. IRS. Yeah, Ryan's going to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it's Ryan's extradition. He's leaving. He's, he's... <laughs> that's, that's the only answer I have for you guys, so I'm just convinced you haven't reported it. Thanks. We're going to talk to uh, Ryan, Ryan, can you? Rosenberg, yeah, Rosenberg got management. Get him on the phone. Uh, uh, Flight 785, Danielle, uh, said, I'm a rhyme saucer taxpayer who wears members-only jackets at the county fair. Catch me eating arroz con pollo with my lady and the mayor player. Hashtag Flight 785 podcast. Wow. Wow. I have no words. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was Even that was threw in my favorite food. Ooh. Ooh. Ryan, I mean, you like eating taxes? <laughs> you like eating taxes? Hmm. I have taxes that still have to be done from last year, so you can have mine. Same. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> rhyme Sayer. Oh, oh. Did, did, oh, oh uh, I think he's, he's trying to rhyme a slivinger. Sliving. Sliving. Hashtag sliving, guys. Hashtag sliving. Hashtag sliving. Hashtag breaking the internet. Hashtag NSA. We don't care. Do verbal hashtags count? Under a court of law, maybe. Under a court of law, maybe. Not sure. I plead the hashtag fit. If you don't hashtag the word the, though, is it still valid? You have to do hashtag the fifth. Not the hashtag fifth. We're gonna have to rewind that, cut it, and add that back. Slice in. it up. Yes. Slice it up. <laughs> yeah. Slicing and dicing with uh, arroz con pollo. Ooh. Yes. That's Delicious. Uh, we're quarantined. Chris is live in Los Angeles with Danielle Garcia at Podbooking and Danny Dotsan. Not Diego. Uh, all the way in the Atlanta area. It is uh, 5.39 uh, here in the Pacific. It's time to fix our mm -hmm. hair and thank our sponsor, Danny. Uh, we're sponsored today by uh, Focus, right? Um, I don't even remember what this does, Chris, do you? Uh, it's an interface for uh, all your audio needs uh, for podcasting. Do we use this? Not yet. Do we have it? Yes. So you should too. Ooh. Wow. Wow. See, this is why we keep her around. So I'm here. Pod mother. Pod mother. <laughs> Speaking of pod mother, um, our peas in a pod, um, they're looking to get their own personal podcast. Um, okay. I can make that happen. How does one just start up with their own podcast? Uh, start by downloading the Anchor app. <laughs> and I would say first pick what you want to make a podcast about. And the best way to pick what you want a podcast to be about is think of multiple topics that you're interested in possibly making a podcast about and then write down on a sheet of paper everything that you can possibly think about each and every single like one of those topics as much as you would want to create whichever thing has the most amount of things that inspire creation that's the one you should make a podcast about because the amount of content you have to create to make a podcast you have to make sure you have a lot of stuff you want to cover you have a lot of knowledge behind it, and you, you can really speak on everything with confidence. I like that. Yeah. What's Some genuine, advice? excellent advice. <laughs> What's your 
What's your advice for, I don't know, maybe two Chris's who just started a podcast with no purpose or direction, just hypothetically? Yeah. Just hypothetically, no purpose or direction? I think just keep doing what you're doing because, I mean, you guys are covering a lot of bases. You're you're giving back. You're collaborating. You've, you've got themed days. You're, you have this, like, awesome era of, like, ridiculousness and fun, and it's easy to tune in. And you guys are just having a good time. I think that is a motivation. Having a good time and spreading positivity, that's a motivation. See, wow. Ryan, we, we are doing something. The, the yeah, Ryan, said. what are you doing? I don't know. Going on vacations during quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> Loco on the cabeza. Uh, our guest, uh, Monica Leonard, uh, CEO of Molly Suds this week, said that uh, we lifted spirits and, and educated people, and uh, that really touched us. Wow. Yeah. You hit us right here. Okay, well, where on the doll did it touch you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you reacted to that. It's a fake laugh. We piped that in through yes. the speakers. Uh, Ryan does have just, some good audiovisual uh, skills, so that's why we keep him around. Yep. Okay. Well, good. He He's not keeping himself people. around. The Chris's. Unsullied by sponsorships. <laughs> Since 2020. As an educator, you've been leading students to grow, learn, and achieve for years. Take your passion to the next level by earning your doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Become a change agent and help identify emerging trends in K-12 education. Develop innovative solutions and make measured improvements. What do you think making a difference in education looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Uh, uh, Danny, a Mike Gardner three, uh, who's biologically supposedly my father, said that uh, we should we should make a podcast about your father. About your father. Is it about your, your wait? Whose father? We don't know. It could be one of ours. I don't, don't know. know. I haven't seen the DNA test. Yes. Who's daddy, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> make a podcast about DJ. We could his father. Uh, oh, there you go. Yes. What Actually, my, my father would be an interesting podcast, too, so I get that. I, 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 my, my father would be, too. So would mine. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe, we, maybe we should have a godfather, po- a podfather. Podfather. A podfather. Pod, yes, pod, the fathers of podcasters. Yes. Oh, that'd be so cute. I would so watch that. Or listen to that both. Both? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watch with my ears. Wow. He, he said Christopher. Oh, Christopher G. I oh, think, I, yeah. I don't know which one that yeah, is. Yeah, we don't know. We, no, we yeah. lost track of our last names uh, since quarantine. Yeah. The quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Danny, you've been, uh, this is a completely random question that Ryan put up on the teleprompter, so bear with us. Uh, you've been diving into a lot of different podcasts. What has been, uh, without naming names, the oddest or like most interesting niche that you've found uh, with a podcast? Or best. The word best is probably better, Ryan. Like oh, I mean, that's so subjective, though. Ryan, Ryan, uh, Ryan's coming with some hard-hitting ones today. Actually, there is this one that I think is really cool. It's a history podcast, Ooh. and it's about the love stories of history. Ooh. And I, I, yeah, it really stood out to me. I was like, this is interesting. And it was, like, about all the romances within historical dates. And, with, like, it's very interesting. Uh, what's the name of this podcast so I can go cry during the Brian's vacation? Past, 
Past lovers. Past lovers. Wow. Well, either the Christmas isn't that a good name? In there, our previous lives, maybe. Could be. No, it's a, it's even a good name. <laughs> uh, there's this one guy uh, I heard about once. He's also in a Taylor Swift Ooh. song, Romeo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Julie, Juliet, Julie, yes. Julie, 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 but Julie for sure. Her friends Julie. call her Julie. Yeah. yeah. Romeo and, or, or is it Ryan and Julie? I don't, I don't know. Could be Ryan. I mean, if it was in San Diego, it would be Ryan and Julie. It's true, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my father wants to call it the Doctor of Love podcast because he calls himself a Doctor of Love. Uh, that's, and we're not exactly sure why. Yeah. He's I'm alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so are we. That's why the alarms are going off over here. That makes um, sense. Not because you're in LA. <laughs> no, not, not because not of that yeah. at all. Not because it's also 80 some odd degrees in here, Ryan, with no AC and boring. And jackets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yes. It gets hot here. Um, what, it's what do it's you getting expect? even hotter, guys. It, it does. <laughs> um, speaking of hot things, uh, word out there is that podcasting is the hottest area on all of the internet before it gets broken. Yeah. Um, where do you expect the future of podcasting to go? I think we're going to see larger networks forming. I think it's going to be very much kind of like TV. It's going to eventually become that more controlled. It's definitely going to become that more refined thing. We're already seeing like higher quality pod. I don't want to say higher quality, but I want to say like big money going into it. And we're seeing like, large media conglomerates get involved and things like that. So we're already kind of seeing that, that path. Um, but I also, I mean, I, I want to say that with a platform like Podbooking, we're going to see more smaller podcasts be able to monetize quicker. I think we're going to start seeing more podcasts growing quicker in general and just becoming more accessible. I think that's kind of been a roadblock for podcasts has been, I mean, on Twitter all day long, all I see are any good podcast recommendations all day long. That is the most common question for hashtag podcasts on Twitter. So everyone just keeps asking the same question. Why isn't there one place to answer it all, Daniela? Do tell. Because it hasn't launched yet, Chris. Oh, but it is launching soon. November 1st, be there or be square. November 1st, pod booking. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, uh, a person who claims he's my father said, I heard Michael Moore makes $100,000 per podcast. Is it true? Uh, is it true? You can also ask her father. She's right here. Oh, yeah. You can also ask me, Chris's father. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I I cannot confirm nor deny what Michael Moore is doing with his podcast. I don't think that you would have a poor source of information. I don't know enough about you. Although, if you're not actually Chris's father, I question your sources of information. Wow. We do need that DNA <laughs> test, huh? We yeah. do not I mean, just because at this point, his his whole character is up for question, you know? <laughs> we should, you need to check out his podcast coming during Ryan's road trip. Doctor of Love. Uh, Doctor of Love. More making a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it sounds plausible. I mean, there are a lot of people with, uh, you know, million plus viewers that that pull in uh, the big bucks. 
absolutely. I mean, Joe Rogan's deals, like, I don't even, like, 3 million or, like, 30 million or something insane. Like, it's an absurd amount of money Spotify just gave Joe Rogan that you're yeah, just like, here. he's just going to smoke pot the whole time and talk crap. Yeah, and DMC. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then, and then he has those rapid COVID tests, so they just do it when you get to the studio. You do this thing. And he's moving to Texas. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I, I, he's actually the person I like the most okay. out there. I think he's that makes sense. he gets so many different people on there. He's so knowledgeable. He's such a star to be. Oh, I definitely. Think. That's the thing is I feel like if totally right, you said exactly this, the thing, like his show is interesting because of the people he has on. Not that he's not interesting. I'm totally not throwing any shade at Joe Rogan. He's amazing. But I'm just saying if small podcasters could get access to really interesting guests earlier on in their shows, we're going to see that growth so much faster. Huh, interesting. Yeah. We hear the, the the most interesting guests um, on demand. Who, who are they again? The, the, the Chris? The, the Chris? The Chris? Oh. Yes. Although I heard this Ryan guy thinks that he's like a hot shot. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's not even looking at us anymore. He's, he's a shame. He's a shame. I mean, he knows his place. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, I'll throw S at Joe Rogan. Uh, I think he's talking about the day of the week. Surf, shade, Saturday, Sunday? We don't no. do Saturday, Sundays anymore, Scott. I don't know where you're throwing S's at. Yes. I think he's talking but about wait, S on wait. your chest. Does he mean S as in Scott? He would throw himself at Joe Rogan? You know, wow. You know what? Great point. He's been known to do a lot of things, including uh, beating Michael Phelps in a 100-meter butterfly. But uh, oh, wow. I don't know uh, about... Maybe getting in a ring with Joe. Joe Rogan's got like multiple black belts. Yes. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. <laughs> Sprinkles. Uh, snap question. Uh, Sprinkles. Rainbow or chocolate? Go. Rainbow. Uh, oh, chocolate for sure. Rainbow. No. All right, cool. Uh, I guess it's a two to one again here today. Um, well, at least I have myself. Um, yes, what do you have advice for solo podcasters who may not have uh, a cohort as wonderful as Chris? Guests uh, are definitely something to like go on, like some energy to go off of. But I mean, I would also just make sure that you have enough value to provide on your own. You know what I mean? That you That every time a person listens to your show, they come out of it and they're like, oh, yeah, I really, I just learned something. And, like, now they tell their friends, make sure that, like, something that you taught them gets brought up in a conversation later that week. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, that should be your goal. Mm. Um, whenever I listen to a podcast and I learn, like, a new fun fact or something like that, I'll be like, oh, my God, I just heard this in this podcast and blah, 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 blah. Like, be the podcast I'm talking about. Ooh, we're we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dominate the WOM, the word of mouth. Uh, wow. Exactly. We could be a talk wow. at an office water cooler, but no one goes into work anymore, so that's probably not going to happen. You probably should talk to Cardi um, and Megan about making that uh, an acronym. Oh, that, that is that acronym okay for this show? No, it's not? Okay. Well, W-O-M. Oh, Maybe their next, hit, their next hit single, W-O-M, Word of Mouth. Uh, it, could, oh. it could go many ways. I think that's the reason. It can, yes. I think that we both know it's only going to go one way. <laughs> To the top of the billboard charts. <laughs> right up there. With the help of podbooking, of course. Obviously. Yes. Naturally. Yeah. I mean, our almost 800 followers will get it there. See? Wow. Yes. 
Yes. How is she going <laughs> to? You, you do have yeah. quite an engaged audience. One important thing is, is having an engaged audience. Um, how does one build an audience that is um, participating and sharing um, information about your Ask. podcast? Ask questions. Ask your ask your followers direct questions. Be like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And comment below. Um, another one of my favorites is like tagging relevant podcasts to my posts. Like if they recently did an episode similar to what I'm talking about, or if they recently posted something similarly or something on their stories, you know, if, if there's a correlation, I'll tag them in it. And like they'll tend to engage because it's like, okay, well, I've, it's come to my attention. It is relevant to what I was just talking about. Oh man, totally. Let me, let me comment because I've got so much to say about this, like this topic. And it's like a really great way to get really good organic, just easy engagement. And you're engaging because you're tagging them in a post, which means your followers are now seeing their page as well. So you're elevating them. It's, it's just a good organic approach. Just creating a, a global uh, pod booking empire. Never thought I was going to get married, but I guess we can do an engagement. I guess we get yeah. the quarantine to Christmas first, a live engagement. Yeah. Or you guys could get into an entanglement. Wow. Sounds like <laughs> something for keeping up with the Smithes? 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 Right, we're going to keep that clip. The Smithes. Uh, yes, uh, that is uh, our quarantine word of the day. Smithes. I love it. Our Smithes. Quad. I thought Smithes. I thought sliving was the uh, well. Now the drinks are kicking slipping? in. It's a new day, a yes. new word. <laughs> yes, actually, I did have a, a new word. Ryan, we got to pay the bills. Real business owners talking about real issues. Join Gene Marks, host of the Paychex Business Series podcast, as he talks with small business owners and industry experts about today's top issues amidst COVID-19, including business innovation, navigating the road to recovery, and finding ways to thrive in the future. From 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang to vice president of small business at Facebook, Rich Rowell, we've got a slew of great guests on season two. Listen and subscribe to all our great episodes at Paychex.com slash business series it was a corn dance because we can really dance it's a corn dance i love dancing i miss dancing like in clubs so much yes i went on a, I, I went on a night cruise last night where i usually walk around at night and dance and last night was the first night i did in a really long time so it was beautiful Oh, you just like dance in the street yeah and i i missed i missed the clubs well i don't miss the clubs but i miss dancing at night yeah, I miss I miss going to clubs. Like my husband and I like used to go clubbing at least once or twice a month, and it was fun because we would be like the only married couple at the club. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's you know single and stuff, and we're just like dancing with each other. People would come up to me in the bathroom and be just like, "Is that your date? Did you just meet him here?" And like sometimes I'd be like, "Yeah, you think that he'll go home with me?" <laughs> <laughs> be like, "Oh my god, he just gave me this ring." Oh my god, I hope my husband doesn't mind. <laughs> That's another one of my faves. No, and another thing, he'll like come up to me in bars and like he'll take his ring off, like make sure the bartender sees him do it. And then come up and talk to me. That's a sly move. Wow. Respect. Yeah, so the bartender's just like, oh my god, this guy, what a piece of crap. <laughs> what a terrible person. This poor girl. And like he'll go to the bathroom and they'll, they'll talk to me and be like you know, he's married. I'll be like, whoa, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just totally freak the bartender out. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
sinners. One day we'll all get to go to a bar together. We, yes. It's whenever our moms yes. to go outside, but we don't know exactly when that is. Uh, Pod Mother will definitely be the last one to tell you to go outside. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we do have a Scott Atkinson, oh, maybe uh, a guest of the program. I, I, I think yesterday, right? No, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. CEO that. of the ocean. He said he misses the Zoom dance party with the Quitches. Oh, the Quitches? Yes. Oh. We used to host Zoom dance parties. Oh, fun! We're going to resume them in the fall. We just, uh, wow. we're, 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 wow. we're yeah, it's a, a, oh, oh, a major announcement here, Ryan. We're going to have another. <laughs> no! Uh, this not, not only is Ryan going on a road trip for the next uh, week and a half, uh, but we're going to resume our dance parties. Uh, but Scott has to dress in his beekeeper outfit. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. That <laughs> or videos of his owl. I'm, I mean, one or the other, yeah. Scott. Do something. Contribute to the party. <laughs> and we can involve uh, our new friend Val and the Dino Do-Gooders at Dino Do-Gooders on Instagram, mm. uh, who are doing good, believe it or not, uh, all across the country by dressing up as those blow-up dinosaurs and going to nursing homes and other facilities to cheer people up during COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. We do, too. What are some Reminding old people about things that are older than they are. See, a oh, tried wow. and true tradition to keep people smiling. Wow. Absolutely. There's something older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> history. History of lovers. Ooh. The lover history. Wow. What do you think? Yes. We need to get a history of dinosaur lovers. That's, in, that's our future podcast. I actually. think so. That may break the internet. That definitely will break the internet. Broke it. If Jurassic Park has taught us anything, it's that anything dinosaur related will break things. That's true. They will. <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like they, they don't want to be in cages just like other animals shot the zoos. Shocker. Yeah. Hmm, crazy. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Um, speaking of feel good stories, what's uh, been the feel goodest? The feelest good? Neither of them make sense. What's been wrong. our feel good story okay, where you're going, the quarantine though? that you've heard? Feelest good story I've heard of the quarantine. Feel, hashtag feels good. Feels good. Um, actually, this is like a personal experience. So I was trying to like coordinate to like buy a bunch of meals for the ER workers at Grady Hospital here in Atlanta, which is like the the most like bombarded hospital by COVID like earlier on. And so I was like, yeah, you know, like, I think I'm going to get them, like, maybe some, like, Chick-fil-A sandwiches, because I knew that they would, like, work with me, or pizzas, or something. And then, like, I called them to, like, ask, you know, what days, and they were like, yeah, that's been happening a lot. We actually have, like, lunch and dinner covered for, like, weeks. And I was just like, one, yay, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad that other people are giving that way. Like, that's wonderful. Two, bummer, my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like that was such a feel-good moment of like yay people are like ended up buying pizzas for the grocery store down the street because nobody had thought of them oh see nice. always thinking daniela garcia always thinking but, but i was just really happy that like other people were like yeah let's go and give back to like the frontline workers and like you know take care of them and like show appreciation that just made me really happy yeah. so that was a that was one <laughs> why don't I'm, 
I'm just curious, you know, like most places like restaurants, uh, you know, you get a, a meal a day. My brother works at a grocery store. Like, why don't they get like a meal of a day at the grocery store? There's a bunch of food around or like a snack of the day. Because they're cheap. Oh. Because they're cheap. Oh, you can hear? I think, I think there's also like, oh, oh yeah, I can hear her. She can hear She has two ears. She's great for this podcast. Great for the podcast. She has two ears. I have two ears. That's the only standard. <laughs> but no, I, I think they don't because like they suck. <laughs> hmm. Yep. Yep. That, that's about that. She's right. Hit the nail on the head. Yes. Yeah, right. Got it. Yep. That's right. Wow. Correct answer. Stolen. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> with his uh, sound effects. Yes. He's been working on that. Uh, well, uh, Daniela Garcia, we would love to kick with you, uh, the CEO and founder of Podbooking, where uh, podcasting meets collaboration. Uh, we could do this all night, but yeah, we know you're on Eastern Standard Time. We also know that Instagram hates us past one hour and will boot us off. Uh, Rude. We uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, is there anything uh, aside from your huge announcement? Would you like to reannounce again for the third time? Before you go, yes. what's going on with Podbooking? Add Podbooking on Instagram? Yes. So, big announcement, everybody. This will also be a post. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, beta testing will be going live October 5th to start creating your profiles and start working together and start creating content on Podbooking for our beta testers, which will be announced October 1st. So, you guys will have those five days to get in line. And then... <laughs> We go live November 1st. Wow. November 1st. We've been waiting in line Very. for months. Very exciting. So exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, the pod booking launch is the only thing that we will wait in line for during COVID uh, because it will bring us the most joy um, and just help people connect with other podcasters like ourselves. Uh, and we appreciate you, Daniela Garcia. Uh, we hope to see you dancing at the club one day. And if we see a man take his ring off, We'll know who he is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Bye, so guys. Much. Thank you, you for joining us. Thank you. Hold on. I'm going to Bye, Bye, guys. <laughs> ah. That was Daniela Garcia, Danny Dotson, Dot Diego, uh, also the founder and CEO of Podbooking, as I just mentioned, where podcasting meets collaboration. Uh, big announcement today. They're going to be launching November. First. November first, Chris. November first, yeah. yeah. And, and we hear if we got in or not on October fifth. First. Well, first announced fifth. Fifth. So I guess we'll be uh, during when Marion's taking his vacation. I guess we'll be, we'll be prepping the whole we'll, time. What's the sales technique? Always be assuming. Uh, right. always be closing. Oh, always be closing. Yeah, uh, assuming is makes an asset you and me. Uh, I thought like it was a uh, you assume assume the close. That too. That too, yes. There's a lot of sales jargon that we've learned and been thrown into us mm. when we had real corporate jobs. But now we have quarantining with the Chris's live in Los Angeles, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every day that ends in Y, Monday through Friday, uh, but no longer starts on Saturday or Sunday. Because they start with us. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Ryan, apparently, uh, we just had a vote here today on the intro, uh, if you missed it, is going on a road trip. Uh, one of us signed his permission slip, probably under duress. I don't know if that'll hold up in a court. Uh, yeah, I hashtag plead the fifth. But 
uh, Ryan is going on a road trip uh, for the next uh, two weeks, Chris. Hmm. Week and a half, at least. Hmm. Yeah. I'll miss him. We will, too. I actually... Ryan, where are you going on your road trip, Ryan? No, we're, we're going to? He, wait, what? He's inviting us? Oh, he's inviting us. Oh, wait, did we just get invite? Ryan, you know we what? We got our first invite at a, all, all quarantine? Ryan, you go your way, I'll go mine, and he'll go his, and then we'll meet back here at the quarantine quarters uh, after Labor Day. You know what? You can go your yep. own way. taking a break ryan is going on a road trip so we are going to hit the road as well uh for some r&r for ryan's road trip hashtag ryan's road trip uh we'll be taking a break from the show and uh coming back in the quarantine quarters bubble here at the quarantine quarters uh live in los angeles with the chris's uh after labor day uh, a little r&r and uh be ready for the restart of season two just like the nba did yeah, we'll be in our own bubble again um, on the, what, the 14th. Is that what it is? Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. 14th is actually J.J. Kim. Uh, his birthday? Yeah, his birthday. You're, speaking, 14th, of, 14th. speaking of pod mothers, you're the godfather. I am the pod godfather. The pod pod. The pod, the pod daddy? Pick it. Yeah, I'll leave that for my boogers. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for part one, season two. Part one of season two, the restart starts in two weeks uh, from Monday. Uh, we'll see you then. Cool. All right. Road tripping with my two favorite airlines. Holy loaded, we got snacks and supplies. It's time to leave this town. It's time to steal away. Let's go get lost anywhere in the USA. Let's go be lost, let's go be lost. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Quarantining with the Chris's. Please support our GoFundMe benefiting Okaizu Children's Cancer Camp. Search No Hair for Care on GoFundMe.com for more information. Connect with the Chris's on our website, QWTChris's.com, and on Instagram, YouTube, the Facebook, Twitch, TikTok, and even Twitter at QWTChris's. Catch us live across all social media every day that ends in Y, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Ryan, end the show. Hey, Atlanta, as we enter the new year, it's the perfect time to start planning for your healthy, pest-free lawn with True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach and local expertise will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to take advantage of our special New Year's offer and save 50%. Just call 1-877-415-5296 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today to take advantage of this limited-time offer for a greener, healthier lawn that you can be proud of to show you how easy it is to file a claim with geico we hired fitness celebrity billy blanks okay everybody our car just got a broken windshield how about we blow off some steam now punch now kick uh mr blanks there's no need to be stressed geico makes it easy to file a claim online on the app or over the phone yeah but what if i never hear back that's gonna make me want to go jab and jab uh nope your geico claims team is always there for you okay do i still get my post-workout protein shake sure billy Geico, great service without all the drama.
So as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for a very long time now. Somebody came up to me the other day and they're like, Pat, dude, you're one of the old guys in the space. I love it. You've been doing this for so long. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Anyway, I've been really lucky to produce some really successful podcasts, multiple podcasts and also courses. And part of my success is due to how particular I've been with some of the tools that I use. And in the podcasting space, my favorite tool is Buzzsprout. It is hands down the best tool for starting a podcast in 2021. It's amazingly easy to use as a podcast host. It's backed by a team that really cares about your success. They've been on the show before as guests, in fact. And like all podcasting hosting services, they get your show listed in all the major directories with I think like one click, you can make it happen, almost one click. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. But what makes Buzzsprout different is they actually provide some really cool advanced tools that take the time to ensure everything is super easy to use. They have this thing called the magic mastering feature, which is so cool, which means literally you just flip a switch and every episode you upload is gonna be mastered properly, which matches all the levels in your show. So if you have somebody who's really soft, it's gonna bring it up. And that way, if a person's listening to your show in the car, they don't have to like turn it up when somebody's soft and then their ears blow out when you come back. It's just so, so good. All of this and so many features I didn't mention are available in Buzzsprout with plans starting at just $12 a month. They're an absolute wonderful partner and I've worked with them to offer my listeners an additional 33% more time on whichever plan you choose. Yes, if you go through our link, you get 33% more time added to your account. So let's make 2021 the year you start a podcast. Just head over to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And I'll see you on all the directories. Let's do this. So back in 2014, I was super frustrated with podcast players. Just, you know, anything that you could put on your website to play a podcast, nothing was great. They were ugly, super frustrating to use. And there's just like bare minimum features, right? So guess what I did? I decided to create my own. It used to be called the Smart Podcast Player, and now it's called Fusebox because there's even more cool things in it. And now thousands of podcasters use and love using Fusebox for their shows. In case you're not familiar with it, Fusebox.fm, it's a premium podcast player designed to help you engage your website visitors and grow your podcast online. A lot of people think, yes, you need to get people to subscribe to your favorite directories, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. That's still important. But where are most of your first-time listeners, or many of them at least, finding you for the first time? on your website. If that impression is not good, then you're failing, and that's where Fusebox comes into play. You can transform your website into a podcast listening experience that your listeners will enjoy and come back to over and over again. It can help you increase the number of times you get played. It helps people go deeper into your archive. People can even subscribe through your player. Yes, we added that feature too. And this month, I'm excited to introduce to you Fusebox 2.0. It's a brand new version of Fusebox with some major upgrades that I can't wait to share for you. So let me tell you, now it supports the most popular website, builder platforms, not just WordPress anymore, but Squarespace, Wix, Webflow, and many more. That is huge. Brand new and fully redesigned players to account for the features podcasters and listeners want and they've been asking us for. We put them in there. Design and customize a player however you want in the Fusebox dashboard, super flexible pricing, all that great stuff, customizable for all stages of podcasters and it's helping people grow their show, which is my main goal. So here we go. I know that there are many other podcast players out there. Some just get put into free for the hosts that you use and many of them, you know, they're okay, but you want the best experience, right? And speaking from experience, free isn't always great. And as the needs of podcasters expand, you need to use the tools that will not only meet your needs, but innovate and stay ahead of the curve. 
And with Fusebox, you can grow your show without feeling limited, knowing you are backed by a team that understands podcasting because guess what? They're podcasters too. So Fusebox 2.0 is available for new and existing subscribers. Sign up today at Fusebox.fm to start engaging your website visitors and growing your podcast online. Fusebox.fm. Thank you so much. You've all heard of an elevator pitch, right? The idea that you might be stepping into an elevator with somebody who might benefit from hearing about your business and within a short period of time, you gotta tell them all the right words to convince them to do business with you before they leave the elevator. Well, many of you know that in July of 2020, we launched something called SPI Pro and this is a premium community, a membership that you can join if you have a business to connect with others and to network and also get some great advice and get challenged as well. And speaking of challenges, one of the things we do every single month inside of SPI Pro is a COTM or a challenge of the month. And in October of 2020, I challenged the members of SPI Pro to get in front of a camera and pitch me their business within 60 seconds. No fancy camera tricks, no fun, crazy sets, just you in front of a camera pitching me your business. And we would award several prizes and, and, and we would have a little voting process internally and we did that. And they gotta say, every single person who posted a video, congratulations, because you have just leveled up in your business. Learning how to pitch your business, learning the right words to say, learning how to connect and engage with an audience very quickly and how, help them understand exactly what you do is very, very important. But when you actually have to do this yourself, it can be very challenging. And so this challenge was meant to test people, to of course challenge people. And yes, we gave away a number of different prizes and things like that, a lot of recognition. And to everybody who participated, you are a winner in my book for sure. And it was just great because we also got to know each other through that process too. But the top prize for the number one pitch that was voted the highest internally within SPI Pro would be awarded a spot on the Smart Passive Income podcast. And I'm very very excited to welcome this person in today. I'm not gonna mention her name. I want you to learn about her through the exact pitch that she shared within SPI Pro for her business. And yes, this was on video. However, you'll be able to get the gist right after listening to this. Here she is. Okay, raise your hand if you have ever killed a house plant before. Well, I am gonna be your new best plant friend because I'm the plant killer turned plant lady behind the Bloom and Grow Radio Podcast, a plant care podcast designed to help everyone successfully care for plants, no matter how many plants you might have killed in your past. No judgment here. Through my show, I wanna help you feel empowered to successfully care for plants, but more importantly, I wanna help you use plants as tools to disconnect from screens and reconnect with yourself. Plants really teach us patience, empathy, and kindness. And I believe if we can practice those skills on plants, we can then take those skills into the world and make it a kinder and greener place. So if you don't know where to start, take my free plant parent personality test. It pairs you with a list of specially curated plants and podcasts to set you up for success. You can find it at bloomandgrowradio.com forward slash personality. And I cannot wait to help you keep blooming and keep growing. So that is none other then the winner of the October COTM Challenge of the Month in SPI Pro, Maria Fela from bloomandgrowradio.com. And I cannot wait to introduce her to you today and to have a conversation with her about this exercise itself. You're gonna pull a lot of great tidbits about how she was able to find the right words and how she struggled through this initially, but got through it and then ended up winning this contest and this challenge. 
we also talk about her origin story. It's actually a really interesting origin story, something I didn't know about until this conversation. And to see where she came from to where she is now in her business, it's just such an interesting and inspiring pivot. And I know a lot of us are thinking of pivoting in some way, shape, or form here in 2021. So let me just drop the intro in really quick, and then we'll get to the show. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he once had the hiccups for two days straight. No kidding. Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up? It's Pat Flynn here, and welcome to session 458 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And today, to help us out, we have Maria Fela from bloomandgrowradio.com, our winner from the challenge with an SPI Pro. And let's not wait any further. Let's bring her on. Let's have some fun. Here we go. Maria, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh my gosh, Pat, is it so nerdy if I say long-time listener, first-time caller? Because that's what it feels like right now. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been listening to the show? At least three years. And I actually found you when I was learning, you know, I'm entirely self-taught as a podcaster. And I learned about you because I watched, you had made a podcast editing tutorial for Tim Ferriss on GarageBand. Yes. And that's how I found you. I watched your no editing way. video with Tim Ferriss and I I watched it a few times and that's how I learned to edit my podcast and and that that was the skill level that I had when I launched. So, you've been alongside me for this whole journey. So, it's it's a real treat to be here actually talking with you. Thank you. And and wow, that video brings back memories. Tim, I had helped him a little bit with the launch of his show and he was just like, "Yeah, I want to do a video to help my audience learn how to edit. Can you just make it for me and I'll put it on my channel?" I'm like, of course. And then here we go. Like years later, like we have connections now as a result. You've got of this. this like sweet baby face, like you're clean shaven <laughs> and it's so sweet, but hugely <laughs> instrumental to me. Such a helpful video. I'm so thankful for that. And, and Bloom and Grow Radio is your podcast. And how we've gotten connected here today is because you have won a contest in our SPI Pro community. It was a pitch contest, what we call the Smart Tank. And Tell us a little bit from your perspective, like when you saw the challenge, like describe for everybody what the challenge was and what was going through your head and how did you create such a a great pitch to come in and, and, and win this thing? Well, I first just want to say thank you for making the challenge because I really feel like it's probably been one of the most instrumental exercises that I've done in like my three years of building this side hustle turned business. So for on SPI Pro, which is your community that I'm a part of, you do these monthly challenges and they look different every month. And you gave us a teaser the week before the challenge launched. And you said, just start thinking about this, but we're going to have a pitch competition. And I have been obsessed with Shark Tank for many, many years. My family makes fun of me because I always cry at the success stories, like every Shark Tank success story, like I am fully crying because I'm so excited for the entrepreneurs and I own many of the products that are on Shark Tank. So, you know, I've always kind of been infatuated with the concept of a pitch and Mm -hmm. I started thinking, I remember I got like full body pins and needles, like I got butterflies when I heard the concept of the challenge. And I had never participated in one of your challenges before. And so something that was so helpful that you did was when the challenge actually went live, you gave us uh, like the most effective formula ever for how to put the pitch together. And I 
opened a Google Drive document and I literally like took so many notes from the video you made and then started to sketch out what that looked like for me. And for the most part, the structure that you provided us was, you know, your elevator pitch of what you are, activating pain points, and then presenting why you have a solution to that pain point, and then your larger mission. For me, my larger mission has always been like what gets me up in the morning, but I don't think I had successfully kind of articulated it with my pitches because my podcast is a plant care podcast. I help people successfully care for plants, but everything I do is because I want to make the world a kinder and greener place. And I truly believe that if you learn how to care for plants, you'll learn how to care for yourself and others more effectively. And that's like my secret thing. That's like my secret motivation, but it's not really prevalent in my brand. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. So the first stab I took at doing the pitch, it was three minutes long. And you said that the pitch had to be 60 seconds or under and no editing. And I have a YouTube channel, so I'm very comfortable with doing as many takes I want. I'm also an actress, so I do as many takes I want and I edit as I see fit. It was a full week of work for me. I think probably I had to put maybe five hours of work into the pitch because I realized like I had a real there was a, a weak point and I, I couldn't effectively articulate the mission and purpose of my business in under 60 seconds. As you can tell, even in the explanation of this pitch, I like to talk and can be a little long-winded. So it was a beautiful exercise and I kept having to niche down and niche down and get more and more articulate with, with what I wanted to say. Um, and I think my pitch ended up being 58 seconds at the end of the day. But it was such a great exercise. And I've told so many of my entrepreneur friends in and out of SPI, you've got to do this if you haven't done this for your podcast yet, because it it just it distills it distills your mission and gives you such clarity. And I'm I'm so thankful for the exercise and and I can't believe that the hard work paid off and I'm here talking to you right now. <laughs> right. And you know, you won first place in a SPI Pro community vote. And to be honest, it was your connection to the larger mission that did it for me. It was everything that you said that you finally were able to unpack and eloquently share that finally allowed me to understand the purpose of this. It's not just taking care of plants, it's being able to take care of something to allow yourself to take care of even more things. And I have a family and I have kids and and, and now a garden, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. But like, it's just, it's it was perfect. And the way you hooked us in the beginning, I will play if not already have played the pitch for people here who are listening to the podcast. Oh, so cool. Like, Likely they'll have already heard it. But okay. The way you start out is just like, hey, raise your hand if you've ever killed a plant. And I'm just like, oh, me. And it's like, you got me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got me right from the start. How hard was it for you to narrow down the words that you were going to share? And and sort of like, it's very easy to come up with like a full page worth of stuff, but like 30 seconds to a minute, like, how do you select what out of all that do you keep? How did you rehearse or what did you do to, to sort of whittle that down? Oh, great question. I think for me, a big part of the whittling was understanding what I wanted to say and understanding what my audience needed to hear. And there was a little bit of a disconnect sometimes there. I think plants are so great for so many reasons, but it really needed to be about who's killed a houseplant before. Let me help you care for houseplants. And also let me help you cultivate more joy in your life and more ability to care for yourselves while doing so. There are so many other facets that like I would love to dive into, but sometimes it gets too complicated and you need to bring it back to how am I serving the community, not necessarily how am I serving myself. 
I'm a big part of my brand. So sometimes for me, that's a little bit hard to compartmentalize. So I think that just going back to the listener, back to the avatar over and over and over again was was really helpful. Good. How has defining this pitch now in the way that you have helped you since the pitch contest happened? Have you used it anywhere? Have you experimented with it in, in any different kind of way? How has it helped you more than just obviously helping us all mentally, you know, just better understand our business? How have you tactically perhaps used this, if, if at all? Yeah, I, it's really become the brand script for me for several things. I finally have gotten around to making a trailer for my podcast. It only took oh, three years. Yeah, <laughs> only took three years. But I want to get into doing some trailer swaps with other podcasts and and want that to live on my feed. And it pretty much was the script that I based the trailer off of because a trailer should be around one minute. And so I made a few tweaks and the call to action ended up being to the podcast and not to my plant parent personality test. But that was really helpful. And that's what I went back to. And I also just redesigned my website. I have like a real grown up website now, grown up like business website. I'm so lucky with my web designer. And we went back to that pitch script as well to try and use some of those some of the language we found. And it's just been so instrumental to just have this little paragraph that I can keep going back to when I get a little lost sometimes. Yeah, for sure. That's that's fantastic. And, you know, again, like I said, you won first place, but there were so many winners. I mean, everybody who had participated was a winner. And the mm -hmm. beauty of this contest, which was a byproduct, which we didn't even plan for, was the fact that everybody would get to know each other even that much better through it was amazing. videos. I've connected with so many of them since then. Trudy of, gosh, she's from Australia. I'm blanking on her podcast name, but I was actually on her podcast and Trudy and I have become friends and it was so fun to see her pitch. I subscribed to How to Win Life. Is that her YouTube channel? I think so, yeah. Some of the winners, I actually ended up subscribing to their channels and their shows. I didn't realize, but there was a microgreens expert and he's kind of in my lane and my field. So we've connected. So it's it's just been so fun to get to know people and their brands in that way. I think video is just so fun. It's so much more fun than just reading, you know, a scripted pitch. So it's been a really, really fun way to get to know people and also see how they interpret their brands too, because there were a bunch of different tactics that people used and they were all really successful, like all of those, you know, top five winners, the special recognition ones, and some people who didn't even place, like they, they were all amazing. Yeah, everybody was fantastic. It's just, it was cool to see everything unlocked for people once getting a little bit challenged, you know, and mm -hmm. you had mentioned that when you had been given this task, uh, you had some butterflies and a little bit nervous. And I think, you know, for me over the years, I've learned that that's kind of what I want. I want to find moments where I'm challenged in that way, because that's where growth happens. And you know, you had mentioned five hours to put this together, which is a long time. But in the grand scheme of things for what it can do for you and what it has done for you already, that's that's a small amount of time to invest in something that can make such a big impact on you and the lives of others who are finding your podcast and and every everybody else who you're serving. Totally. Every podcaster or potential podcaster who reaches out to me, I always say like step one is like do your avatar research, write out your target, you know, your target listener. And now my second piece of advice is going to be write your one minute pitch. I think it's that that level of importance for sure. Well, let's talk about your podcast, Bloom and Grow Radio. What do you talk about on the show and how has it helped you in your in your business? This thing that you started on the side is is growing and it's actually doing really well. I'd love to learn more about how the podcast has helped support that. Yeah, well, Bloom and Grow Radio was first a podcast. So I actually, 
I had no intention of ever being a podcaster, and I've actually spent the majority of my life as a plant killer, which is why, raise your hand if you've killed a plant, like both my hands are raised, and I can relate to everyone at any level of of plant parenthood because of that. So I'm actually a professional musical theater performer, classic plant killer, lived in many apartments over the course of my life, and I I like to say I have like a, a plant graveyard of about 20 plants. And when I moved in with my boyfriend, when I booked my musical theater dream dream job on Broadway, and since I was like in this epic season of life, I decided to give plants one last try, even though I was, you know, notorious for killing plants with so many people. And the difference there was that I finally was ready to empower myself with education and and actually trying to understand how to care for plants and looking at them like living things instead of these like pieces of decor in my in my apartment that would ultimately die. And what happened next was really unexpected and magical. You know, it was a way for my boyfriend and I to connect. We grew these herbs on our balcony and we would cut the chives and put them in our scrambled eggs in the morning and we would watch our little tomato plant grow. And it was something really fun for us to bond together with. And also as a millennial, a millennial living in New York, I was I would wake up and have coffee with my phone and and scroll Instagram and I had like no time to myself. And the garden, my little mini garden, gave me a moment of stillness and quiet for the first yeah. time in a really in a, in I think my whole life. And I'd love to hear, you know, your experience going through that as well. But for me, my my little balcony garden and my plant collection became not only this tool to make my apartment look beautiful, but this tool to just unlock this joy and moments of awe, like watching nature do its thing that I was a little blind to. And also a way, you know, to connect with my boyfriend, I would cut my herbs and bring them and share them with my cast members in the show. It was a way to connect with them. And it just connected me to this like larger feeling. So when my contract at Cats ended, I decided to do 10 episodes. So I was looking for a podcast on houseplant care and I couldn't find one. There were none when I was when I was starting out. And I decided I would do a passion project as an artist, not even thinking that it could be anything. And I would do 10 episodes of a plant care podcast where I interview experts as a, you know, plant novice on various aspects of plant care. And it would kind of be an act of service to other millennials in my position. And each, yeah, like each title had, you know, top houseplants, top five houseplants for beginners and learning to practice kindness. It was kind of this wellness plant care thing. And then I thought I would book another Broadway show and wouldn't have time for my podcast anymore. So I thought it would just be, you know, 10 episodes. And I wasn't sure if anybody would listen to it because it was so niche and there was nothing else out there. So there was no like proven concept. But through social media, I ended up connecting with this unbelievable community of millennials like me who are going through a very similar experience of learning to care for plants, learning to fill our homes, you know, get that urban jungle vibe and finding so much joy from them, but sometimes not knowing how to successfully care for them. So 10 episodes turned into, you know, a 10 episode like little stint in between shows has now turned into a three-year side hustle that's now quickly turning into a full-time job. That's you so know, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. We hit a million downloads last year. 
Oh. I've done live tapings across the country of my show. So it's been pretty wild and extremely unexpected with my degree from opera, you know, <laughs> that I that I invest a lot of time in. Yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, I, I have an architecture degree and, you know, exactly. I'm building businesses now, not mm-hmm. buildings, but, in, in, you know, oh, wow, that's so cool. What, a, what an amazing story and a million podcast downloads from just a little passion project. Plants and about house plants. Plants, Who knew? <laughs> something that you used to be terrible at. Now, somebody listening to this is like, "Wow, like, how are you able to build this audience not being quote unquote the expert on something?" Yeah, I definitely went through a lot of imposter syndrome when I started. I definitely thought that I couldn't. I could only go so far because I didn't have a degree in horticulture. Mm-hmm. But I quickly realized that that's kind of my special sauce in the plant community. I meet my listeners at eye level. Whatever they've done, I've done, and I've probably done something more embarrassing. And, you know, my favorite thing about reading my reviews, and I think you've said this about your show too, but my favorite review is when someone says she asks the questions that I'm too embarrassed to ask. You know, Mm -hmm. that's like where I like to live. I notoriously, like in my fifth episode, like asked one of the leading experts in gardening what mulch was, which is a very like mulch is like a very basic thing that most gardeners know. But I didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of people don't know. I mean, our generation is so disconnected from nature and gardening with the way we live. So I think once I started to understand that that could empower me and not hurt me, that's when I started to kind of see the potential in not even the business, but in the show, in the longevity of the show. Yeah, that's super powerful. I think that's going to inspire a lot of people. Thank you, Maria. You'd mentioned gardening earlier, being a place to pause a little bit, slow down. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're interested, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I had started a garden this year as a result of the pandemic and and being at home and wanting to just take this opportunity to try something new. I am notoriously a brown thumb as well, just killing every plant, including succulents which is like very hard to like, you can't sometimes purposefully do that. And I was able to do it kind of very consistently. <laughs> I have to give a big shout out to a, a creator that I found who helped inspire me, Kevin Espiritu from Epic Gardening on YouTube. He's my plant friend. I love Kevin. Dude, he's so cool. And, and, and he lives in San Diego with me and I got to meet him. And when I got to meet him at his house, he was doing a little garage sale because he was moving and he's half Filipino as well. And in, in a very Filipino way, before I left, he was like, here, take some dragon fruit with you. And I was like, dude, mm-hmm. this is my guy right here. I love this. It's like, bring me back to, to family vibes. And he's been helping me out. And we built three raised bed gardens. My wife and I have one. And then each of the kids have their own. And it's been really neat to they sort of... They do. They do, yeah. And, and they, they tend to it. They take care of it. And it's just been really neat to get them involved in something slow. You know, and I think that that's what the pandemic has done for, for us as a family. It's like, slow down a little bit and appreciate the small things. Because especially with the kids now, they live in an age where they want to watch a show. They just go on Netflix or YouTube and watch it instantly, right? Mm -hmm. Back when I was a kid or when we were kids, it's like, you got to go to Blockbuster Video and you might not even know if that thing is available to rent. You Mm -hmm. might have to wait till the next, you know, day or if at all, maybe never getting it at all. And like gardening is not an instant thing. It takes time, takes nurturing and care, but Definitely, if you put that time in, you reap those rewards, you, you, you harvest, right? And having like 60 days for something to be seeded and then come in and, and, and then we get to eat it and enjoy it together. It's actually gotten the kids to eat more greens, which has been really cool. And just kind of having this routine. And even for me personally now, I start my morning going out in the garden. I get a cup of coffee. I sit out there and I just like, I'm just 
you know, I know the plants have grown, but they're not growing before my eyes in that moment. But I know that the work that I did yesterday is helping them grow a little bit more today. And and it just keeps stacking. And now we're at a point now where the season's basically over. And we bought some birdies raised bed gardens, which are like galvanized steel container type things that we can use. So I'm, I'm going to have to replace everything and then start over. But I'm excited because now that it's cooler in San Diego, finally, I can have some cabbage and lettuce and, and bok choy and kind of colder weather type stuff. Anyway, sorry, I could talk about this. Look at you go, Pat. Have you started seeing the business garden parallels yet and the life garden parallels? Thousand percent. You want to jam on that for a bit? I mean, okay. (laughs) Like talk about planting seeds and putting work in Mm -hmm. now and having to be patient on a macro level is very important. Nurturing, like you're nurturing your audience and, and caring for them and giving them the things that they need in terms of gardening. It's, it's, they need nutrients from the soil. They need water. And they need sun. Yeah. And, and our audiences need value. They need to be heard and, and they need a sense of belonging. And again, things don't happen instantly, but then you feel that reward at the end when you start to see these benefits from that hard work. It's just totally worth it. And it doesn't happen right away. It's 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 been really cool to see That's happen. so beautiful. Yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to hear an analogy from oh, your perspective. Oh, I'd, I'd love to share like... Man, so 2020 has been kind of rough for me. I I mean, rough and amazing, like, but I think for many people, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a professional musical theater performer. I was in a show in New York when the city shut down and my show got canceled. I had to reschedule my wedding. I got engaged and was unable to get married this year. And we moved. We gave up our apartment in New York. We're part of the mass exodus of people who have left. And I've also been growing this business. And something I've been meditating on so much is the concept of pruning and how, you know, pruning is a little counterintuitive when you prune. So you think, oh, I'm chopping off the top of the plant, like that's bad. That's making the plant smaller. But actually what happens is when you chop off the top of a plant, it actually triggers the growth hormone within the plant to push out more growth to make the plant bushier. So you see this like with basil a lot when your basil gets a little leggy, like you cut off the top and then more leaves grow out of the bottom. And so through all of these life transitions, I've been thinking about pruning so much, just saying like, we're pruning back. It's okay. Like the growth is coming. Like the hormones are being triggered. I don't see the growth yet, but it's coming. And I think also with my business, like as I start to hire people and I start to delegate, which is terrifying, you know, I'm cutting, you know, when I first hired my editor for my podcast, that was such a scary move. But by cutting off that, you know, the time it took me to edit my show, I was able to now invest in other parts of my business that are now starting to just start to grow. So I don't know. I've been really thinking and, and meditating great. on the concept of pruning. Dude, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep I know. going. It's great. <laughs> this is great. That reminded me of with a tomato plant specifically. Yes. I've learned that in the corner of where like you have your main, I don't know what trunk or stem, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's little offshoots and suckers. right, right. Yes. The suckers, the little, mm-hmm. the little ones that grow right in the sort of like elbow, you have to, or the best practice is to remove those mm-hmm. so that what happens is now there's more energy on the most important parts of the plants and no energy being expended on these little things that are really going to do nothing for you. And like you said, like now there's like energy put in the right places versus being sort of expelled in places where they probably don't need to be. And then very much in business, like you said, you know, we have the option of doing all the things, but if we do all the things, we're actually not going to give as much energy to the things that probably are going to move the needle for us or would make us most happy. So so I love that analogy that you just said. Another analogy 
that I want to share is related to something that happened quickly for us. Because a lot of times when we're building our business, we see the light, but it's so far away. It's like, you know, our goal is way over there. And sometimes it's hard to stay motivated when we haven't like seen a win in a while, right? Yeah. We don't appreciate those small wins. And something that Kevin really helped me with was understanding this idea of, you know, okay, well, maybe while you're growing the big garden out there, um, you can maybe practice on like microgreens. And so we have been growing some microgreens. We bought a couple trays. We bought a bunch of seeds, much simpler, much easier. And in literally three days, you start to see sprouts and in seven to nine days, you can already cut those things off and put them in your salads and eat them. So like Mm -hmm. literally within a week and a half, the kids and I are already like super jazzed because we have something that we didn't before created from nothing. And now we're all inspired and we keep going. And now like every day we're having microgreens for lunch and it's just awesome. But appreciating those small things and, and maybe not going so big so quickly will get you there even faster. I love that. And kudos to you for getting your kids to eat microgreens at such a young age. That's impressive. Dude, it's, it's <laughs> the sunflower seed microgreens are the tastiest ones we've found. Sunflowers. Oh, yeah. My mom is an epic gardener. And last year she had 350 sunflowers in her front yard. What? And she harvests the sunflower heads and she gives them to the kids on our block and teaches them, you know, if you can take the seeds out, you can plant them next year or you can like roast them and eat them. But yeah, there's so many teachable opportunities with kids. And also, I feel like important to get kids to kind of reconnect to the food chain and reconnect to understanding where food comes from, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us don't really understand like how that eggplant grows, you know, or or herbs or microgreens and all right. that stuff. Or we're just at the grocery store. We're like, oh, let's just get a tomato. Like you don't exactly. even think about how that tomato got there and all it had to go through or all somebody had to do to get that to your dinner table. And, and I really love that. Wow. Okay. I feel like we could just talk about <laughs> plants and analogies of business all day. And I hope, hope you all enjoyed that. As we close up here, I'd love to learn more about sort of what the future is for you and your business as it's starting to take off. You said that you're going to be starting to hand off some things to people, which is a great step for sure. Where do you want to take this business? What, what, what is like in your vision when you talk about helping people with wellness and of course, mental health, as well as just taking care of other people and taking care of themselves? Like ultimately, like what, what in three, five years is your vision for your business? Three, five years. I'm going to be honest with you here. I think before I look down the road for Bloom and Grow, I have a lot of work to do in 2021. I really feel like I'm just starting to see the potential and the true opportunity for what Bloom and Grow could grow into, for lack of a better planty pun, especially as I'm just beginning to transition into taking it full time. So I'm really excited to figure out what that business plan looks like. My last three years have been a lot of creativity and I've been actively kind of filling in the blanks there with the help of a lot of your courses. So I took your affiliate course and established some awesome affiliate partnerships that I'm excited to expand. We have amazing sponsor partners in our sponsor program right now. That is one of the biggest things about my show that lights me up, that I can help other small plant companies grow their businesses while I grow mine. That is just the coolest feeling. And your Amped Up podcasting course really helped me establish that sponsor program. And we're really excited to develop it a little bit more. And I'm currently evaluating how I'm going to best invest in my community of listeners. So whether that looks like some Patreon tiers with exclusive content, or maybe that looks like course offerings, I'm I'm currently kind of evaluating what that'll look like. And then in the grand scheme of things... I just want to continue to grow Bloom and Grow Radio and get it to as many plant people's ears across the world as humanly possible. And I want to do what I can to just continue to make it 
better and the most helpful show. Once I've kind of ironed that out, gotten the basic business plan down, gotten my, you know, big girl CEO boots on, I'm really excited to see how I could expand it to other forms of media. So I've got a YouTube channel that I've been slowly growing, but I totally could see the potential for books and maybe a, even a TV show about, you know, houseplants and self-care and and how we can all use houseplants to make our lives better. So I really feel like the sky's the limit. At the end of the day, I just really want to help everyone successfully care for plants and cultivate more joy in their life, really. So however I can do that on the largest scale is what I'm really excited to see unfold. And I will make sure to keep you posted. Amazing. I love that. If we were all who are listening, you had the opportunity to recommend one plant to start out with, what plant would that be? Well, interesting you ask that question, Pat, because I actually don't think there's one blanket starter plant for everyone. I truly okay. think that it is. it comes down to your personality. And that's why I built the plant parent personality test, which was what the pitch was about. But I think you know, succulents actually are a notorious, you mentioned succulents earlier and people always say, oh, I'm a succulent killer. I can't keep anything alive. They're not- people are notorious for thinking that it's actually a huge, it's fake news, you know, that they, <laughs> that they're easy to care for. Succulents are great. Succulents are, would be a great match for someone who has a lot of sunlight and a job where they travel a lot. If you're like a, my low maintenance plant parent, which that's the personality profile I have for them, they might be consultants that travel or they have, you know, three kids and don't have time to like be watering their plants all the time. A succulent that you can sit on a windowsill and kind of forget about, come back to whenever you can. That's a great match for someone like that. But if you're someone like me, who's a mindful plant parent who likes to engage with their plants every day and miss them and, you know, visit them and water them when they can, if my personality was applied to a succulent, that succulent would be dead in a minute because I would overwater it in a heartbeat. Ferns, calathea, prayer plants are a better match for my personality. So I would say if you would like a recommendation for whatever your plant parent personality is, you should take my test and I'll give you some great recommendations. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Well, for your listeners, they can all go to bloomandgrowradio.com forward slash SPI. And we have the personality test embedded in that form for you guys. And then a whole bunch of other really fun freebies that can help get everyone blooming and growing no matter what level of green thumb they're they're currently at. So I truly think everyone can successfully care for a plant. It's just about figuring out where you're at and what your right match is. And I'm here to help everyone do that. Love it. Great transition to the lead magnet. You have a you have a specific <laughs> landing page for our audience. You you're you're getting into the thick of all the stuff we teach at SPI, which is great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Maria, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on on winning again and and one more time, where can people go to get access to all that, all those goodies and have their personality test sort of results for the perfect plan for them? Sure. And the test actually gives you recommended plants, projects, and podcasts you should start with. So Ooh. I've got a lot of podcast episodes and I know that's overwhelming for people. So it's great. It'll give you, you know, a curated list of, of places for you to start. And it's bloomandgrowradio.com forward slash SPI. Perfect. Thank you, Maria. We appreciate you. And we'll see you in the community. Thank you, Pat.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Maria. And Maria, once again, congratulations. And congratulations again to everybody who participated in SPI Pro. And of course, whether you are in SPI Pro or not, if you haven't yet done this challenge for yourself, I would highly recommend doing it. Get a camera set up, just your phone. Have it point towards you. And for 60 seconds, do your best to see how you might be able to pitch your business. And I know a lot of people who are in within SPI Pro who have done this exercise, who like Maria, have already started using this as an asset in their business, on their sales videos, in their website, on their social pages, et cetera. And yes, it's a challenge. Yes, it might make your heart race a little bit just thinking about this idea, but that means that this is something that you probably need to do. And I challenge you, the listener, to do this too. Within the next week, I'm gonna give you a week. I'm not gonna check in on you. This is gonna be on the honor system. But if you do happen to publish it anywhere, please at tag me on Twitter or on Instagram. I'd love to see it. I'd love to get a feel for it. I'd love to congratulate you for continually leveling up your business, just like Maria did and all the other members of SPI Pro. And of course, if you're interested in SPI Pro after hearing this, smartpassiveincome.com slash pro is where you can apply to see if it's for you. And I'd love to see you in there. And I'm sure everybody else in there would love to see you too. Here's to you and an amazing 2021. Thank you to everybody here who had listened all the way through. And again, congrats to Maria and all the participants within SPI Pro. And I appreciate you for being here and for subscribing to the show. And if you haven't done so already, I would highly recommend you do it so you don't miss any of the great content coming your way later this year, including next week's episode, which is gonna be awesome. And I don't want you to miss it. So hit that subscribe button. Thanks in advance for all the amazing reviews for the Smart Passive Income Podcast. It really means the world to me and my team. We read them, we learn learn from them and and we just are so thrilled to continue this journey with you. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. All the best. And here's to you and your success. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.